Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Flicks in the Six. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony Costanzo, with me, forever and always, the man, the myth, the doppelganger, Alessandro Bielsi. Say hello, Al. No shirt! <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that was going to happen. <laughs> For those of you listening, he slowly turned his camera down to reveal that he is not wearing clothes. <laughs> not wearing a shirt, I'm wearing uh, uh... Coverage of the I don't know that. (laughs) You want me to stand up too? I'm taking you on your word. And I you know what? I will take you on your word for that one. Uh, Good lord. (laughs) I'm sorry, man. We've been since I started recording exclusively shirtless, we've been on a pretty damn good run. (laughs) If I do say so myself. So first of all, I'm so ready for this episode. I was ready for this episode like ten days ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And like, I've been, like, I had to, like, get myself back in the mood because I was so amped up to record, like, Sunday night after I was hanging out with you and Kim and your sister and everyone. And I watched the movie that night. I was ready to record that night at, like, 1 a.m. Yeah. So um, And you made me wait, like, an extra week and a half. I did. So I had to get I myself back in the zone, get psyched up. I had to, like, go back through some stuff, reread some stuff. So, like, I'm ready to go. Well, that's good because we're here now. And uh, you, know, you know, the other way you know oh, is oh. because like our we had like took us ten minutes pre-show. Like we're we're here, we're ready to go. It did. It did. That you know that is that is the this is the fastest that we've gone from Skype call to recording. I think ever. Probably. Uh, it's probably faster than us doing an in-person recording as well. Definitely because yeah. we fuck around a lot. That's, that's for that's fair. That's fair. So on this week's episode, we check in on Movie Pass, Venom, Terminator Expectations, the Topher Grace cut of The Hobbit. And Damn Cavill's it, I magic- had that. <laughs> <laughs> and Cavill's magic beard and pocket, all before diving into our flick of the week that Al's been waiting so patiently for. Cloud Atlas. No, it's enemy. <laughs> and <laughs> but first, Al, what are we drinking? I'm so mad because I specifically didn't text you about <laughs> Topher Grace thing. I was hoping I was gonna be able to surprise you with that. Uh sorry. Sorry to steal your nuggets. That's all right. Um we are drinking Von Trapp. Brewing's Dunkelager. Von Trapp is a Vermont beer. Um, I was up in Vermont about two months ago, and I brought back a bunch of beers. So we'll be doing a bunch of them coming up because I that was the lion's share of the care package I dropped off to you a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I think we're good for the rest of the year, if I remember correctly. <laughs> for a while, at least. Yeah. Um, you, so got like, is, you got us a quarter's worth of beer. <laughs> yeah, we have we have the next the entire third quarter. We're set. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is brewed on the grounds of the Trap Family Lodge in Stowe, Vermont. This lager is crafted with the finest traditional ingredients and our pure Vermont spring water. A little of Austria, a lot of Vermont. Nice, I like that. Take a sip. Cheers. I love, see, I like when we have the bottle and the glass because you get the nice sound effects. Or we have to be in the same room together. True. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you know this about me. You may, uh, whenever we're, we're uh, like hitting the Oktoberfest like <laughs> gauntlet, <laughs> I yeah. tend to go towards the Dunkles. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is nice. It is. This is um, quite nice. This is the type of thing uh, I've, I know I've talked a little bit on the show before that I'm not a huge fan of lagers typically. Um, I'd say really it's like the the very pale ones, like the Pilsners and stuff like that. Um, I as 
a amateur producer of beer, I can appreciate <laughs> what goes into the making of that. Amateur um, so, producer, professional consumer. <laughs> bingo. Um, I like it. I cannot appreciate and understand the precision that goes into making those beers, but the flavor on a regular basis doesn't do a lot for me. Mm-hmm. It's just not something I'm drawn to anymore. I used to like them a lot more until I realized how many flavors could be in beer. <laughs> right. Um, but a good Dunkel or a good Bach, um, any of those darker lagers, I really enjoy. And this is a very tasty beer. You know what's really silly? I was about to make a joke about the sound of music until I saw that note at the bottom of the beer. Yep, I was going to get to that in a second. <laughs> That's really um, cool. So this beer says it is German for dark. That's what literally what Dunkel means. Our Dunkel is dip, uh, dip, deep, <laughs> rich, and smooth with a surprisingly crisp finish by the family that inspired the sound of music. Nice. It is 5.7% alcohol by volume, and it has 22 IBUs. That uh, that surprisingly crisp is not exaggerating. No, it's like it's got like a like like almost a brightness at the end. Yes, it's for a beer like this. A lot of times, um, dark beers are equiv- equivocated with a hundred percent all the time, always as being a heavy beer. Mm-hmm. And while that is often the case, it is definitely not always the case. And the example I always point out to people is Guinness is the darkest. You know, yeah, the burntest flavored beer that you're ever gonna have, but it is a very, very light body. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is not super heavy, although it's definitely not crazy light either. But you're right; it has that crisp finish, which is surprising for something so roasty and so malty mm-hmm. uh, as this one. A lot of times, you'll have that kind of residual sweetness that can kind of run away on you. Yeah, it's it can be tough to like knock down a bunch of these. Um, Although I could I could drink a bunch of these. Yeah, uh, this is this is this is nice. Nice sit down with the. I, I would I would like this on a winter day. Yeah, it's probably closer uh, to that sort of uh, style of beer. A fall, it a would, fall, a nice fall. <laughs> makes sense, you know, being yeah. in you know a ski town in Vermont. Um, but I picked it because again, an unintended. Synergy was presented with this mm. beer and the title of the movie we did for a nice title, I think, for our episode. <laughs> I love that. Like you're getting so you're getting so far ahead with <laughs> your naming and your thoughts for what's going to go into the synopsis that you are now picking the beards ahead of time just so that you can get the name that you want. I love it. <laughs> love it. Yeah, I mean, like I didn't plan it out when I picked up the beer, obviously, because I hadn't right. even heard of the movie yet. But once I looked, I surveyed would at have it. <laughs> the weeks of beer that we have. I was like, I know what we need to do. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm trying to make it kind of like a little game within a game, like show within a show, Inception type of thing. Where nice, I like you know, it. We can like have it. good because uh, the other thing is that sometimes I really struggle if we just pick a beer and drink it. I sometimes I struggle. Yeah. Uh, coming up with a good title. I I will say when I have a a nice enough selection as I do now, I I will take a look usually to see if like, Oh, like what, what in my mind makes up some fun wordplay with the movie that we're going to do. But, uh, you, you were just like, you're were far ahead with this one. You're like, take this beer out. We're doing it tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, since I typically acquire all the beer, I usually let you pick the one right. you want, unless I have some ulterior motive, whether it be something I'm in the mood for or, something that I had happened to sample before and it's really good and I think you'll like it, which actually that was the case with this beer 
Um, but or you know, if I have a, a title that I'm working on, so or a surprise movie themed care package. I love the the solo episode. <laughs> the uh, so this is our that first crowning achievement. Yes, it was. That was wonderful. That that did surprise the hell out of me. I really, I was really happy with that one. Um, and it remains permanently on the shelf behind me. The this is the first of our Vermont run. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Right. Last week we did. Was last week Limey Vice? Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. All right. Sweet. So uh, so far, so you know, one for one. So yeah, let's see. I mean, you're also like a thousand for a thousand at this point, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Um, I have to see what the next one is. Awesome. Shall we get into our first story? Sure. Uh, the first topic that I have for you is Movie Pass. A little check in action. Possibly the death of Movie Pass. Absolutely, the death of Movie Pass. Because what's really fun is, as an early adopter, <laughs> and I'm sure actually most people at this point, because most people that are on it are probably on the same tiered plan or tier of the plan that I am on that I've canceled and they keep sending me emails that they can't process my payment. And I'm like, that's because I canceled it. <laughs> I didn't, should, I didn't like re- just responded back. Good. Yeah. Right. Right. Well done. <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> like I didn't, it's not like I removed my credit card. I just canceled my account. So that's annoying. Then. So that's weird. Um, it's just so I was like, I, I, like I'm not irritated enough to follow up on and be like, hey, can you stop? <laughs> but it is it is funny to get that. And then I got this email, which I thought was this was uh, the previous one. I think was uh, prime showings, like prime time showings were going to cost more. I think that was something that I covered like maybe a month or two ago when yes. we recorded in person. So this is the uh, a lovely follow up to that. I'm just going to read you some of the bullets real quick off of it. We must reduce availability for big new release titles such as Mission Impossible Fallout and other popular new releases, at least for a while, as we adjust the business model. We are working on making this more clear in the app so you know which titles are available. It's like, okay, you're starting to basically, this is this is a step further than charging more for those. This is, you can't get them. Well, if from the way it sounded a few days ago, um, it started with not that notice. It was just outages of the service like yeah, just right. blind like it just was not working well, that's the impetus of this email uh it says uh it's like your first and foremost apology email it's like we've had issues over the past several days all that jazz um and then this is like a showing telling us what's coming and then the next one which is this one's really funny to me uh this is the wild card bullet show times that are offered through our service will vary from day to day and every show time may not be available we encourage you to check the movie pass app for show times before you leave for the theater no the second that this becomes work is when it's no longer viable right and it's it is as i have stated from the beginning it is already kind of work for me because i like to buy my tickets in advance so if I want to buy my tickets in advance, I have to go day of in advance to buy them, which is just doesn't mm-hmm. work for me. So it is, it is work. I mean, you can't really complain by the, at the price point that my plan was at, but I'm just yeah. Um, no, but now that they've raised the prices, and it's not even just that. That's a different form of work. When it's when you have to do work, when you have to start breaking out your calculator and like do math equations to figure out what shows are going to be available when and at what price. Yeah, it's now officially too much work. Right, and then it's just like it's basically the end of the email is just not very comforting. It's um, basically saying they're going to be transparent, and 
we'll be uh, following up short as soon as possible with more future changes, which is basically future things that are going to be cut from this because we all knew this wasn't going to last. Not in the way that they were doing it. Right, right. So it's a, uh, it's it's not it's not great. Um, there is they did have a one blurb in here that I found interesting. I'm gonna I'll read this to you from their email, their apology email as well. Uh, we believe that the company we have built, the fastest growing subscription company in history with more than 3 million members, has revolutionized the movie industry in the U.S. The first half of 2018 saw the total box office grow by almost 10% compared to last year. And we know MoviePass is responsible for a significant portion of that unpre- unprecedented growth. Okay. If you're getting more, honestly, if if what they end up doing is just getting more people to the movies, I'm all for that. Yeah, but they're going to have to be the sacrificial lamb. That's fine. They I'm already, just saying. That's they already the made that bed. <laughs> what? They already made that bed. They're, yeah. they're going to be laying in that. <laughs> well, no, you're right. They, like, they like dragged everyone kicking and screaming into doing this a new way, You know, yeah. having it be the subscription model, which everything is going the way of the subscription model now at this point, it looks like. But AMC yeah. is rolling out their own thing and other... Places are doing it. I'm, I'm not super familiar with other big chains other than yeah. AMC uh, of movie theaters, but I know that there are a couple. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I the subscription that I I'm on now I love uh, because it's not really. I mean, it's a subscription in that you are charged every month, but it's really not like a there's there's nothing serious about it. So it's like it's eight ninety nine. It's Cinemark's Movie Pass, I think, a movie club. It's called, and that eight ninety nine gives you one ticket per month. Mm-hmm. It rolls over if you don't use it. Okay. And every other ticket that you buy is eight ninety nine for standard okay. showings. And you get twenty percent off concessions. And you can share your benefits with people. Okay. So that's kinda cool. They still have like the reward point things. Yep. I know like yep. you I use that every time. Go into cinema mode, which is great. Turn your phone on do not disturb, get your points. At the end of the movie, you you turn cinema mode off and it's like two dollars off your next popcorn. Thanks for being you. <laughs> That's basically what you get out of it. It's pretty great. Nice. I'm a fan, and I also don't mind paying for the movies at all. I like, as I mentioned, I mind paying fifteen dollars for the movies for one ticket. Eight ninety nine is is very reasonable. It was nice for this week's episode to not have to go and pay. Yeah, for that's a movie. true. That's true. Well, you you do pay to some degree. It's it's different though. It's it's different. It's Netflix. Those dollars are already spent. So what does it matter? Yeah, it's, <laughs> Is that it's, a sun, it's a sunk cost. Uh, that's that's fine. That's fine. I uh, I appreciate that. Anyway, that's where MoviePass is now. Um, just I would say slowly dying, but rapidly rapidly fading away is how it feels at this point with these emails that are coming in. There's rather a large amount of blood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> There's so much blood. <laughs> uh. Sweet. So moving on, our next story is a shared topic that you probably had as well as one of your nuggets, which is Venom. Yes. Uh, So the new trailer dropped for Venom, which was not what I expected. No. Uh, Happy with it. More interested than I was before. Still cautious. Still cautious. I I have had, I will say that these trailers have grown my interest from the first time when they announced it, I just like, Yeah, right. And then, like, the cast, cast Tom Hardy was like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, they released the teaser. I was like, okay, that was kind of cool. And then they released the first trailer. I was like, 
okay, I'm willing to see where this is going. And now I'm like firmly in the camp of, I want to check that out when it comes out. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. Like what I got out of the trailer is, oh, this is going to get like fucked up and yeah. weird. And okay. Although I, I was, you know, I was talking with um, my buddy Caleb because he's a really big Tom Hardy fan. And mm-hmm. he's also, I guess, like a pretty big Spider-Man and by that token, uh, Venom fan. Okay. So he was super excited, like worlds colliding, Venom and Tom Hardy. Nice. So whenever the trailer comes out, I immediately like send him the trailer or whatever. And he's actually had the opposite experience. Yeah. To us. He's become less excited. He's well, becoming worried about it. I will say from like, if you were to focus on like what you know about the character, like the, my exposure to Venom is watching the old Spider-Man cartoons. That's, yes. I never, I was not a, big into the comics. I did get like that ultimate Spider-Man series at one point, but that was really it. And but it was the cartoons that I really enjoyed. And it's very different from that, but I'm okay with yeah. different. No, yeah, for me, it's the same. It's, uh, and I honestly don't have even a great memory of it, but yeah, I remember watching the old Spider-Man cartoons like mm-hmm. Venom, um, my my knowledge and memory of Venom was a bit more than Carnage, which is not much at all. Um, it was just a badass action figure that I had. That's what Carnage yeah, was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Well, the the thing that he said to me specifically when I was talking to him tonight about it was um, that he is hesitant about uh, the seemingly the level of comedy that they're kind of doing it. You know, in the way that a lot of these like superhero movies are doing and that he's worried that it's not going to jive well with the subject matter and the tone overall tone of the movie Hmm. that it seems like they're pitching this as being a pretty dark violent uh horror driven movie and i guess it seems like they're playing some cheesy laughs in there okay and i i I didn't really think of that until he said it and i was like okay i guess i kind of see what you're saying Uh, for me I'm not too worried about that yet, but I could see that if this movie ends up being not that successful right. overall, that that could be a contributing factor. I, I'm, I'm aware of that now that he has brought it up, but I, I'm not too worried about that yet. Yeah, I think it's a valid concern. Uh, the yeah. What I'm seeing there, though, is they're, I feel like what they're trying to do is make some laughs, but that are very uncomfortable because of yes. what's actually happening around you. It and does seem like some route, kind of gallows humor. Yeah, yeah. that And that would work. For, yeah. for what I'm seeing. So it also depends on, you know, how they pace it, you know, and what moments they choose to do it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if that's all, if like all the jokes kind of things that are in the trailer are like all the jokes in the movie, then that's probably more or less fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it was funny like in the trailer. If you go watch the trailer, um, I think it's listed as trailer number two. If you want to see it, the, there's like one particular scene in like a convenience store where he's holding yes. a guy and it's just like, <laughs> but like, and you're like, is he gonna, is he gonna eat his face? <laughs> no, I think he might eat him after this, <laughs> and then he eats him. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, <laughs> so that's creepy. And that's when I was like, I want to see this. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny because I, I kind of experienced it the same way. Just I think how you're supposed to, like, uh, like we're all laughing, right? We're laughing. This is us laughing. We're, we're laughing. having fun, right? <laughs> We're having fun. Um, it, uh, I actually, I, when it was over, I wanted to like that scene more than I did. Like, I kind of liked the idea of it more because I, the dialogue itself was a bit clunky. Mm-hmm. Um, although I did, and like, have my own kind of laugh because it reminded me a lot of um, the end of the Princess Bride when 
he's describing what to the pain means. Yes. <laughs> to the pain. It's, it's very, it was a very similar um, explanation that went on there. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty funny. I didn't think of it that way. It's, like, it's actually almost spot on. <laughs> yes. It, it was nearly like a shot for shot, like nice. redo of that, except it got way darker because it's not just, I'm going to cut you up, but I'm going to eat you up. <laughs> First, I'm going to eat your left arm. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Oh my God. That's great. Uh, I'm I'm getting more and more excited for it, so that's cool. I I mean I knew I was gonna see it no matter what, but now I at least a little I'm I am semi excited for it. We'll see where it goes. I'm a little worried just because of the history of Spider Man not made by Marvel and like that franchise not carried. Well, it is still. I mean, in the way that the last like Spider Man Homecoming is basically made by Marvel. Or like they kind of took the reins, mm. even though it's a Sony production, and it still said the same. I guess that's when they're probably doing it more on their own. But Marvel is still involved. If you, it said on the trailer in association with Marvel, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. Hopefully that pays off. Yeah, I mean, like Kevin Feige as the arbiter of all of this stuff has been very good for mm-hmm. at least six years now. So. Cool. So we'll be looking forward to that. That's October, right? That release. I think so. Trying to trying to Halloween we're gonna, time. We're decent pacing, I think, for the fall. We have September is the Predator. I think that's October, and then there was something, something else in November. Oh, Fantastic Beasts, I think, is in November. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Which you finally saw the first one. I did. I finally, between you saying you were interested in it and a couple of my friends, um, were. Uh, kind of cajoling me to do it um, recently, so I watched it the other night. Nice. And the verdict? Uh, I ended up liking it overall. Um, good. good. Yeah, it was it was, it was was good. It, it wasn't great. Uh, you know, I definitely didn't hate it. It's a good it. movie. Um, it, it was, it's it a was good, solid. It's a good, fun, entertaining piece. I will say this. Um, I don't know really what else David Yates has made, but he's figured out the formula to make a Harry Potter movie. Yeah, it's... Exactly. It's more time in a world that I like, so I'm all for it. I was always hesitant to see it because I thought it was just, hey, there's all these magical creatures and we're going to go chase them down, which is a, a you know a significant enough part of the movie, um, sure. but that's really not what's actually going on. Right, and that is that was very much the marketing material. What? That What you said. Yes, it, which that was why I had very little interest in going to see it. Yeah. Um, once I figured out after the movie came out what the movie was actually about, I was like, oh. Well, that sounds a little more interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's why I ultimately finally took the plunge. Yeah, I'm, exci- I'm excited for the next one. So that's how, that'll be on our list. So the next story that I have kind of ties nicely into the fact that The Predator is coming out soon. And that is the next Terminator film. Which I f- kind of forgot they were doing until today when I saw a picture of Linda Hamilton reprising yes. her role in... Terminator. So exactly. What are your what? How do you feel about another Terminator movie? Uh, I have incomplete thoughts on that subject because I don't know who's making it. You don't? No. I have that information. I'm sure I could get it too, and I meant to look into it. I just forgot to do it between well, go, late go, this afternoon. Go on. What? What are your other? Uh, don't don't look it up because I want to unveil it to you. Okay, because that's really... I want to see if it raises your excitement when I tell you. Well, it's either going to raise it or lower it substantially, depending on who it is. Okay. Um, And I don't know who it is. Uh, I 
I like Mackenzie Davis. Is that the the name of the star of this one? I think so. Um, I didn't used to have much of an opinion on her, but uh, earlier this year I watched all of Home Catch Fire, and I like her. So I'm curious to see what's going on. Uh, when I first heard that they were – so I ended up purging the information from my mind, the fact that they were doing another one. Um, but when I first – I'm thinking back now when I first heard them announce that they were doing it, I said – Please no, please make it stop. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to feel about it until I see someone make because I think what they're doing is they're doing kind of similar to what the predator did, right? Which is why you bring it up. Where they, are they scrubbing everything after the second Terminator? I'm not entirely sure because there's a lot of talk about like undoing some of the horribleness of Genesis, which was the last one. So I'm not. Sure I think they're just they completely. Booting that one, I, I I just don't know if they're undoing three and salvation. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. If they're if they're undoing all three of those, um, even though I like Claire Danes, I forgot she was in the third one until I just happened to see it on on a big TV on the gym the other day. Um, I was like, oh wow, that's Claire Danes, and she's wearing a a red wig. Um, I don't really have that fond memories of the third one. It wasn't. God awful, but it wasn't necessarily good either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will be the direct... sixth installment and serves as a direct sequel to Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Yeah, that's the right way to do it. And it's the same yeah. thing that Predator is doing. Uh, so for that reason, I could potentially be enticed into wanting to see this movie. Uh, it's going to be dependent upon who's making it, which I imagine is probably somewhat significant based on the way that you're withholding that information. Yep. So next, so the next thing I will reveal to you is produced by James Cameron. Well, produced by, yes. oh, that's not surprising, but who's making it? Tim Miller. Who's Tim Miller? Deadpool. Ah, for the first or second? Uh, first one. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I'm if curious, Cameron's uh, well, I, back I'm... involved, you know, and, and, Tim Miller, and if the cast is pretty good, I I could potentially be interested. Yeah, so that's that's what I'm curious about. Is like I loved the first Deadpool, and when I first saw the name, I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, but what are we actually going to get out of that? Mm. Because he did a really great job with Deadpool, but a lot of that is is Ryan Reynolds is the writing of that movie is is taking those risks that they took with like this very very funny very very r-rated movie yeah i don't know how this is going to translate to it certainly won't be the same thing no it won't but i mean and which is a good thing because we'll see what else this guy can do like in this space with the terminator i know he's done he's done um some other things but I this will be I think it'll probably be his next big thing. So that's yes. that's that's pretty cool. And uh we'll we'll see what happens. I was I had no when I saw that it was coming out, I was just like whatever. So I, what you might not know about me is I was um some listeners here. I was a huge Schwarzenegger fan when I was a kid. Like yes, yes you were. Like a very big Schwarzenegger fan. Um and I loved Terminator 2 was the first R-rated movie that I've ever seen. Um, it's always held a special place in my heart. So I've always had, a, I was always a big fan of the Terminator series as a whole. And I would try to make excuses for everything that came after Terminator 2. Knowing full okay. well, they're not great. 
They're not <laughs> in in a lot of cases. They're not good, <laughs> but you know, you make excuses because it's a franchise that you don't want to you don't want to dislike because I I love it. It's very special to me. See, hearing this does excite me. Thinking like, oh, okay, we we had a misstep. We continued down that path for a little too long. Do a little reset. That's fun to me. So I'm I'm excited to see where this goes. So we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely be doing that if it actually does become a thing. Yes. Uh, when is it supposed to come out? I don't know. It's untitled as of now, and I that just gives me. It says uh, it says 2019. It says it's filming. Oh, okay. But I yeah, they're definitely if... filming because I know I've seen multiple things about Mackenzie Davis like on set or something like that. So yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but I think it, it's fun. It's it's pretty crazy that if that does come out within a year, we're gonna get a Predator movie and a Terminator movie. It's, it's like it's the mid-80s all over again. It, yeah, here we go again. <laughs> Back to the future. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see where that goes. The next, the next story on our list here is the one that uh, upset you so much when I, when I listed out our, our stories. And that's the Tober Grace cut of The Hobbit. I'd, like, I'd love to hear your take on this. Well, I was really looking forward to just bringing that to your attention. And uh-huh. So I was upset that you had already had it. Um, yeah, no, I thought this was kind of... An interesting story. I hadn't heard that he did this already with the, the prequel prequels. Star Wars movies. Yeah. Um, see, the thing is, so what did they say? They cut this down to two hours? Two hours. Like eight hours down to two hours. Yeah. So, no, it's not eight. That's what it said. I thought it was. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know, maybe you're right. Actually, over, over yes. the three. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, that's probably too much. You think? Yeah, because the thing is, I was on board for the original plan of having it be a two-part thing. And then they made it three parts. Why two parts, though? Just, you want that. I don't know, I don't remember The Hobbit being a very long novel. It's not. So, I mean, you could have done it like any of the original trilogy and made it just a three-ish hour movie mm-hmm. because it's no longer than any of the three of them. But they completely eliminated the entire battle sequence from the page, basically, mm-hmm. in the book. Um, the majority of the actual battle of five armies, Bilbo is unconscious for. Mm-hmm. So, knowing that they're not going to miss an opportunity to put that on screen, I can understand why they would expand the runtime. Okay. And you can have a decent enough um, split in the time. You could end the first movie, if you had had it as two parts, you could have ended the first movie roughly where the midpoint of the second one is in either with them being captured by the elves or having broken free of the elves shortly after. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the rest of it could be them getting to Lake Town, them getting to the mountain, and then the Battle of Five Armies. Yeah. I... That's fine. I I understand where you're coming from. I've just... The movies are very... They're very long. Um, I'm still scarred by our viewing experience of Lord of the Rings. Uh, we will not be doing it with the Hobbit. 
I can no, assure, we don't have I can, to. I, I can don't assure have, you we will not be doing it. I don't have the same reverence. I don't hate them like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just fine. Well, don't get me wrong. I didn't hate them. I, I don't sit down. I don't sit down to watch them. I certainly, yeah, yeah, I won't sit down and watch all three of them in a row like that. But Ooh. if I'm not doing anything, I see it on TV. I'll throw it on in the background for stuff. Like it's not sure. offensive to me, mostly. But what I what I loved was his statement about like it's he's feels you know so many movies are drived by the franchise and making money and and you know building out multiple movie experiences so that you could pull in as much as possible. And he wants to he would like to see like what it would look like if it was led by the art form, which I think that's a cool approach to it. And just the fact sure. that he's doing it for fun. Yes. Makes me excited. Although I think they said, was it this one or was it the, the Star Wars one? One of them was actually screened. Yeah. But like once and then that was it. Yeah. No, it wasn't like a full mm. run. But still, like that's kind of that's kind of cool. I think yeah. they said you can find and watch the Star Wars one online somewhere. I'm I, sure I, don't... I can get it. I will try and get it now that I know about it. I don't think this one's available yet, but I could be wrong. I, I read it the other day. I'll have, to, I'll have to work my magic and see if I can pull that one too. Because I would, I would really love to watch it. Because that just sounds really interesting to me. I'd be curious to see. And I'd love to, like, just I can't imagine the amount of work that would have gone into that. Oh yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fucking material to be editing. I mean, they don't have to do it like, like an actual editing would, where you have to actually get like scenes to like fit together and like audio and like video to work together and like make sure that you don't have like a massive plot hole or like that gif of Henry Cavill where his shirt and his face is completely different in the same scene. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen that, look up the, the you, that, that super iconic scene from the trailer where he's in the bathroom about to fight and he like cocks his arms like guns, I guess. Yep. Um, see if you can find someone found like a gif of that. And it's amazing. He's wearing two separate shirts and has three separate shots of his face, different levels of shavenness. Just check it, out. It's that. And, it's, it's so good. That, that was actually the fourth. Uh, that was actually the fourth item that I or fifth item that I had here was uh, Cavill's magic beard and pocket. I figured you'd probably bring it up since you sent it to me last night, and I meant to send it to you yesterday as well, and I just dropped the ball on it. <laughs> I feel like I watched that GIF on loop for like I don't know five minutes. That's a long time. No, I didn't watch it that many times. But I, I did just watch it several times. By it. It's it's so yeah. much fun. And it, I loved the I loved all the comments and all the people that had posted it because they were just like when Cavill reloads his arms. Like, yes, <laughs> this is such, a, such a great way to, to word this absurd motion that happens for no They're reason. They're not wrong. And uh, it, part of me wonders like, oh, do they just not know how to make this sh- like not know how to create the continuity of the shot? So they had him do that absurd motion because they didn't need to reshoot it. I think that's what, like, that almost feels like what happened there. Because No, it's the, pretty obviously a bad job having two shirts, yeah. one of which has a pocket on it. Yes, one of which has a pocket, and then within... Like, it's not like, hey, I'm wearing a gray shirt, and now I'm wearing a slightly darker gray shirt. Like, one clearly has a pocket, and one so clearly great. has a And then there's, they're also, one is also significantly more wrinkled than the other one. <laughs> yes, and which it, you can get away with that. Like, that falls within the realm yeah, of like things fine. that are excusable editing that you can explain away as just kind of a odd thing right you know and dramatically different levels of stubble on his face that that's that's the funny one too it's because as he as his hands come up to his face his beard grows like three times it's like a it goes from stubble to an actual beard. Beard. <laughs> it's, it's pretty awesome you you really should watch it uh 
it's, it's, it's just so ridiculous. Like, I can't... How could one man's facial hair affect two gigantic movie franchises so dramatically? <laughs> you know what's really funny, though, is if you start to pay attention, like, once you notice that, the whole scene breaks down, if you look yes. at it. Like, if you then you start to look really closely at, like, the edges of the characters as, it's, as they're moving, and, like, how he's kind of just has, like, this, like, vibrating effect because he's kind of <laughs> moving back. Like, it's just, it's so bizarre. But it's it's really funny that that made it that far. Like, just just reshoot that sequence. Why did you reshoot half that sequence? Or why did you splice half that sequence? Yeah, there's no reason for that one thing <laughs> to be multiple takes spliced together. Like, you understand it during a complex fight sequence, maybe. He's not doing anything. It's just a camera of him charging the camera and yep. snapping his arms weird. Yep. You can do, you can have him shoot that scene multiple times, and I guess on different days, but you don't have to splice the two together. Just take one full run of that scene. That Oh, my God. It was followed up, the, when I read it, it was followed up by, like, other times, like Henry, like it was like something along the lines of his facial hair, and you click it, and the first, and it pops up with the picture of of his fake lip from from the Justice League movie. It was it's just, so bad, it's horrible. The thing is, a lot of times you miss that sort of stuff unless you rewatch it multiple times. Yeah, I immediately recognize it because I knew it was coming when I was going to watch a movie. Yeah, but that one was so jarring that I would have recognized it anyway. I just like wait, which one the the beard, the mustache. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That what I loved about that was when we went to go see that movie, uh, me and the guys. I think like right afterwards, somebody was like, "What's with his face?" <laughs> like, <laughs> and, like with no knowledge of this yet. Yes. But that's that's really great. That's really great. Is it though? It's it is. It's great <laughs> that something that terrible can be that much more terrible. It's. It's things like that that can push that thing all the way around to being good again. Yes. <laughs> like, I might have to buy this movie just to have Henry Cavill's fake lip in my in my collection. I, it's like it's the only Batman movie that I don't own. So, uh, live action, to be clear. That's it. That's those are those why are you, the. Why, uh, do you, why do you own Batman and Robin? Why do I own Batman and Robin, or why do I own Batman and Robin three times? The second one. <laughs> well, you see, Al, the first time is because, I, I don't know, I was a kid and VHS tapes. No, I know, which is why I changed it to the second one, because I can understand that one. As soon as I asked the question, I realized, you know what? The first one he has is probably VHS or DVD, and it's probably from when it came out, when it didn't matter how bad the movie was. He loved Batman and he loved Arnold Schwarzenegger so much that he was always going to own that movie. I, I would, I'm willing to give you a pass for that. The, you didn't have to do it to yourself again or again again. The second time was because I was building up my DVD collection and I had I, – I don't like having an incomplete collection. I had three of the Batman movies. You got to get the fourth one. Mm. If you bought like the collector set and it was included. Well, that's the okay. third time. That I can understand. The fourth time it was a gift. <laughs> the fourth! <laughs> I'm kidding. There wasn't a fourth. Uh, there, there wasn't a fourth, right? No, I think I, I think I only own it three times. The thing is, though, I won't accept slander of Batman Forever. No, that, that is that movie's fantastic. It's a gem. enjoyable movie. That's a good boiling acid. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh no, it's boiling acid. Oh, oh man, I love that movie so much. That, that's a genuinely good bad movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's it's its own thing, and sometimes people don't understand that. It's you know what's what I love about that movie is the unnecessary amount of gymnastics. Yeah, no, there's a lot of gymnastics. <laughs> It's like, is that a, is that a, is that a balance beam in the middle of Wayne Manor for no reason? <laughs> that's basically how how ridiculous it gets. Wait, no, that's actually a real thing. I still watch Family Guy. Like, I don't make an appointment viewing, uh-huh. but I have like the DVR on. I'll, I fill it in when I have time. I'll watch some some Family Guy when new episodes come on. Sure. There was one fairly recently where like Stewie dreamed about being like an action hero, like in a in a movie, oh, no. and. He starts doing this whole thing where he gets into this big fight scene and there's a pommel horse and he's kicking a bunch of people's ass while on the pommel horse doing pommel horse tricks. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And like they make a fourth wall breaking like thing about, guys, that's a real thing. Look it up. And I forgot the name of the movie, but I looked it up and it's 100% a real thing that was made in a real live action movie. Oh my God, that is so good. And that's if so good. you are listening to this, Go ahead and look. You'll be able to figure it out online. Look up some version of like pommel horse fight or something like that. I don't remember if it was an eighties movie or a nineties movie, but there was like an actual like B movie action movie where I think there's some sort of fight in like a monastery on top of a mountain. Maybe was what the the context was. What? And there's a pommel horse and someone doing pommel horse stuff and using that as they're doing all sorts of like kicks and shit to beat up a bunch of henchmen. I, I'm looking it up right now just because I. Just I'm, I looked up the clip and watched like 12 seconds of it and was laughing too hard and had to turn it off. Oh, well, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'll follow up with this right after, right after the episode because I have to know more about that. You'll have to let me know what it is. We can watch together. And that discuss. sounds. That sounds wonderful. All right, uh, that's it for my news notes. What nuggets do you have, or did I steal them all? Uh, you stole two of my three. I have one more. I can't remember. Nice three-piece this week? Yeah, I can't remember if I sent this to you when I saw it yesterday or not. I know I it, I considered it. Did I send you the link to uh, The Ringer's 100 Greatest Episodes of Post-2000 TV? You did not. Okay, so on The Ringer, there was an article that came out yesterday, I believe. It's the 100 best TV episodes of the century. Okay. Uh, let, let me jump to the top real quick to get the like forward to the article like i think the whole thing was that well one of the conditions of the whole thing was that all of it had to be i'll just read the the intro at the turn of the 20th century television began to morph into a new more expensive medium um that part's not important uh tv has changed a great deal since the year 2000 uh, the expansion of cable networks led to an increase in experimentation quality and quantity that has been since been eclipsed by the advent of streaming to the point that the monoculture experience of that survival finale is almost entirely obsolete. With the understanding that television is going through yet another revolution and that the boundaries and definitions of the medium could change yet again, it feels like the right time to look back at the past 18 years, determine the 100 best episodes of TV since 2000, the ones that stunned and entertained more than any others. So assembling a list that not only recognizes the best of Prestige TV, but also encapsulates everything that television has to offer. Drama, comedy, variety, reality, game shows, and lifestyle-focused programming. To come up with a list of the 100 best episodes of the entire Ringer staff was asked to submit 
their favorite episodes of the century. The list was then assembled with those submissions in mind and with one stipulation. Only one episode per show could make the cut. So Ooh, it's 100 episodes I like that. of 100 TV shows since the year 2000. That's good. So you, yeah, so you have to pick the best of the best. Because in the list of top 100, there'd be multiple shows that would have multiple episodes on it, right. but none of them gets multiple entries. Although a couple of times they did sidebars talking about other top episodes and stuff like that, and there was just other conversations and stuff like that. Um, so rather than go through the whole thing, if anyone is wishes to, because it's a, I mean, it's a long read. I didn't read the whole thing because a lot of the shows I let's, didn't watch. Let's do this. I'll pull out a few numbers that I want you to go over. I want the top three. Yeah, I figured I'd give you guys like the top 10 or so, as well as if you ask for a specific show, I can tell you the episode. Okay, can... cool. Let, let's, all right, so let's start with the top 10 because I'm very curious. Okay. So Actually, wait, top... bef- before you do top 10, what's the, what is the final, what's the one that just made the cut? What's number 100? Number 100 was The Walking Dead. Okay. And it was season two, episode seven. It's the one when they discover... The barn? So in the barn. Yes. Good episode. Okay. Very good. That was I'll when that show it. was still. Yeah. Oh. Beginning uh, of the end. For whatever oh. reason, those words, they cut me real deep. <laughs> but, I've been doing it to myself all the time, too. Yeah, that's fine. That's brutal. All right. That's, all that's right. a good That's a good 100. I like that. Yes. It probably even could be a bit higher. Potentially. So. Do you want to guess what the top... Let's go top five. Do you want to guess what the top five is? I assume that there's a Breaking Bad episode in there. Just outside the top five. Okay. I think it was number uh, six. Red Wedding? Red Wedding is number three. Uh, though the episode is titled The Reigns of Castamere. Right, because you can't do that in the title of the episode. Correct. Um, okay. Throw one. Uh, I didn't. No, I don't. Go ahead. Give, give, give me, give me, give me the top ten. The top ten, starting with number ten, is Ozymandias from Breaking Bad. That is, as I saw described in a separate article in The Ringer today, it was an oral history of the making of that episode, which I didn't get to finish reading yet. Uh, I believe they invented a new word. They called it the anti-penultimate episode because <laughs> <laughs> it's the third to last episode of that show. <laughs> Okay. Um, directed, of course, by Ryan Johnson of The Last Jedi fame. Um, it's or one of... Hatred, depending on who you are. <laughs> well, fame or infamy, I guess, would be right, the way right, to right. describe it. Um, this fame. Is, Sorry. This is, one, this is one of, I think, three or four episodes he directed on that show. He also did The Fly, which is another oh, beloved or hated episode. That's a episode. good episode. I actually hate that episode. You do? I like that one. That is... A, in my opinion, an examination of someone too high on their own supply. Ooh, let me. I I will make one caveat here. That's a great episode if you binge watch the show. If I waited a week and got that episode, I think I would have been pissed. I watched it while binging it. Didn't oh, like it. Okay. I can understand to a certain extent why I like it. There's certainly likable elements to the episode, mm-hmm. but. That episode suffers from what no longer I title Walking Dead Syndrome, but is just AMC Syndrome, because too many AMC shows do that episode. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so anyway, that's number 10. Um, number That was season 5, episode 14. Uh, number 9 was the pilot episode of The O.C. <laughs> really? 
Yes. Uh, there was like shit like that. There's. I'm, I'm just surprised that I honestly didn't even hear. Like, it didn't even register that you said the OC. To me, what registered was pilot episode because usually those are hot garbage. A bunch of the ones on this are actually pilot episodes. Not okay. of the top 10 per se, but of the top 100. Okay. Um, episode 8 is season 3, episode 11 of The Sopranos, The Pine Barrens. I still have not watched that show. Will watch it, but have not yet. I've seen most of the end of that show. I did not see this one. It does sound entertaining, um, but I won't get too spoilery with it in case other people like us were a bit too young to have been watching it when it sure. was first debuting. Um, episode seven is uh, uh, yeah, episode seven, season one, episode thirteen of Survivor, the final four. <laughs> okay. Um. The first season of The Survivor, I never watched any of Survivor, but that was truly, like they said, part of the monoculture. It was something you heard about every week. Is uh now, now I'm starting to get like remembering like random things. Is um Lost somewhere in there? It is. And the top ten? Yes. Okay. Uh episode six on the list is season three, episode eleven of The Wire. Oh, okay. uh, the ep- the episode is middle ground. Um, I know you haven't watched The Wire. The Wire works a lot the way that um, Game of Thrones did. So I guess it's kind of an HBO ish thing. Where what? I just thought of one. Go on. Oh. <laughs> that I think is going to be in there. <laughs> okay. Where most of the time, the second to last episode of the season is really the climax episode. Is the one where the lot yeah. the most stuff goes. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen The Wire, certainly the first three seasons are. Most excellent. The last two are fine too, but um, and this episode was a pretty damn good one. Uh, it features an important character death, which I will not say to spoil for anyone. Hmm. Okay. Uh, what I was going to ask is, there's a specific newsroom episode that I was curious if it is in the top ten. First of all, it's not in the top ten. It's not in the top one hundred, and the only logical choice is fix you. Yeah. I think that's what I think that's the title of the episode as well as yes. obviously the song that's in that it. That is uh, that is one of the most chilling episodes of not not in a scary way. I Just, was upset that it was not in this list. Not in the list at all. Not on top hundred. Unless too, I have to good for the down. list. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was I was offended by that. There that episode hundred percent deserves to be in the top hundred. Yeah. Um, episode or number five on the list is season two, episode four of the Chappelle show episode number 2.4. Um, the synopsis of it was a vulgar slapstick epic told from the perspective of two unreliable narrators, Charlie Murphy and Rick James with Dave Chappelle weaving together the most ridiculous moments from both their tales to reveal a greater truth. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Right. Right. (laughs) That's great. Um, number four is season one, episode four of True Detective, who goes there. Um, and then they have the synopsis is in the format of a Friends episode title, the one with the tracking shot. Nice. <laughs> I uh, I forget that that series had a really good first season. Uh, an amazing first season. Yeah. Um, that's the one with the raid on the house where they had, like they said, the long tracking shot following this one continuous shot. Yeah. Um, episode three, as we said, was Reigns of Castamere, season mm-hmm. three, episode nine of Game of Thrones. Uh, number two is season four, episode seven of Mad Men. 
Okay. The Suitcase. I haven't watched that show. I, uh, I neither have it, I. But... Uh, I guess eventually one of these days I'll probably get around to it. Uh, this one also has apparently features a character death, so I will not get into spoilers for anyone else who has not watched it. Okay. And then number one was The Constant from Lost Season 4, Episode 5. Gotcha. The Desmond-centric time travel yarn is a microcosm of everything Lost did expertly, and just as crucially, it contains none of the, pe- the pitfalls that hampered later installments. It's a perfect modern TV cocktail, one part sci-fi, one part romance, one part reimagining of the Odyssey, with an Easter egg garnish on Freighter Rocks. That's cool. That's cool. Um, cannot believe that Newsroom episode is not on there. Oh, that's one of my favorite episodes of anything ever. Wow. That is that is a travesty. That oh my god, I can't now all I'm thinking about is that show and how fucking amazing it is. I've been thinking about that show a lot in the past couple of months. Uh, I I'm gonna find a way to sneak in rewatching that show. Doctor the tapes. He doctored the tapes. <laughs> he doctored the motherfucking tapes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'll never forget. That's one of those characters Don. Don on Newsroom is one of the characters that has done a full one eighty on me. Like he I hate you. Hate him when the show starts. You love him when the show. Not only do you hate him, but you're supposed to hate him. Yeah, it's really good. So good. God, I love that show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We also have uh, number sixteen on the list was the dinner party episode from The Office. Didn't watch The Office. Oh, okay. I figured you'd watch. Uh, I'm not a big Office fan. I am familiar with that episode though. Do you have a Parks and Rec episode on there somewhere? Um, I forget actually. Uh, we have the pilot of Friday Night Lights is on there. Um, New Girl, Friends, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Seinfeld. Um, I forget. I'm sorry. I'm just scrolling through. Uh, There's got to be a Friends your, episode on there. Ki- kissing your sister. The episode from Veep is on there. Uh, that show is great. There's a Thirty Rock episode on there. Succession. Uh, the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What Saturday Night Live episode is on there? Uh, I mean, there's got to be an SNL episode. There. Yes, there was. I don't. Uh, it's gonna take me a minute to find it. Okay. Uh, Charlie McDennis, the Game of Games from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> that is an incredible episode of TV. Um, the Beach, the pilot episode of The Night of. Ooh, that was a good series. Yes. Um, okay, Saturday Night Live. Season 34, episode 1. It was in 2012. It was Michael Phelps hosted and Lil Wayne performed Lollipop, but all you really need to know is Sarah Palin, as played by Tina Fey, can see Russia from her house. Oh, uh, <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> uh, there's an entry from South Park. It was Good Times with Weapons. Okay, That's the one where the part of it's an anime. That is an excellent <laughs> That show. What's more, fighting love, of course, being the chorus to the uh, the song. I I gotta know. There's gotta be a Friends episode on there, and I gotta know what it is. I think there was. I just I, I can't remember now. It was a long list, and I didn't yeah. read every one. Um, Dexter, the final episode of season four, The Getaway, is on there. I know you have not watched that yet, mm-hmm. uh, so I will not say that is an important character death episode. Which Ooh. spoilers if you haven't seen the show, so. Um, oh, here's a fun little side one, though. Um, the best series finales of the 21st century. Oh, um, okay. 
10 was the finale of Six Feet Under. Uh, number nine was the Parks and Rec finale. Um, number eight was the one from The Hills. Number seven was Friday Night Lights. Number six was The Return of Twin Peaks. Five was Battlestar Galactica. Four was 30 Rock. Three was Mad Men. Two was The Leftovers. And one was The Sopranos. Can't mm. imagine that was contentious at all. <laughs> Um, oh, here's the Parks and Rec one. Uh, it was the two-part finale episodes of when they did the actual final season of Parks and Rec. Those future episodes. Oh, that was really good. Yes, very well really done. Really good. Friends is not on the list. Uh, I, I, we still have almost like half of the list here. No, I'm searching the list. It's not on there. Oh, really? Yeah. It's upsetting. Chicanery, the episode in Better Call Saul, that was a fucking episode, amazing episode of TV. I need to, I need to watch that um, that series. I got into, I think I watched the first two seasons um, before I stopped having cable, and then I never got to watch the rest of it. So I have the to- new season is starting this week. Well, next week, I guess. I think. I think. Is there a Stranger Things episode on here? I don't think there was. Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. It's yeah. great show. We don't have to talk about this anymore. I know this has been yeah. a fairly long segment, yeah, that's, but that's uh, fine. I thought it's it was a good one. Check I, it out if you want. Yeah, I think I uh, I think I'll probably over over the course of the week be taking my time with that and and, and dive through it. I think they fun. also have like a video component to each episode as well. I don't know if it's a clip from each episode or whatever. I saw uh, that something about audio. At yeah, least. I didn't look at that or watch that. I didn't have time to when I was reading this, so. All right. With that, it's about that time. We're yep. going to be diving into our flick of the week, Enemy. You can find Enemy on Netflix. You should watch Enemy. <laughs> <laughs> and then come back here. Because I don't know that there's much. Let's, let's talk about a couple things up front that we can talk about before we dive in too deep into this. A few okay. things. There's a there's a lot of emotions that you can have when a movie ends. When a movie ends, you can love that movie. You can despise that movie. You could like that movie. You could love that movie. You could hate that movie. Dislike that movie. There's a very specific emotion of I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> when it ends that you don't get often. Yes, this is one of those. Movies. This is one of those times. <laughs> this is one of those movies where the credits roll, and you can't help but to continue to stare at the screen and wonder. <laughs> See, if I had watched it under slightly di- different circumstances, I probably would have experienced it similarly to you. But I was very tired, and it was about you had twelve. Some screwed up dreams that night. <laughs> it was about twelve thirty, and instead, what happened was I went into a pitch black lit only by the. Sp- the screen uh, on my face um, rabbit hole for about an hour or so and didn't go to sleep till one thirty or so. Mm, yeah, day. yeah, that's fair. That's that's the kind of effect this movie will have on you. I'm I'm, I'm serious. The movie what is the movie's eighty nine minutes, right? Is that was that it? So I think it's listed as like ninety two minutes, but okay. it's not actually that long. Like that's no. the runtime including credits. So it's not a, it's not a huge investment. Uh, I think it's worth it. I think you should check that movie out. You can. You might hate me for saying that right after it's over, but I, I beg you to think about it for a little bit and then come back. At the very least, you'll have thoughts 
You might yes. not like the movie by the end no, of your No thoughts. one's saying you have to like the movie. We have not said whether we like the right. movie or not. Right. But what I think you'll you'll definitely have something to, to talk about with someone else. So get your friends, watch the movie, discuss the movie. It's going to be a good time. Come back here. Listen to us. Sound Just good? remember that I am shirtless. Just I was shirtless. <laughs> um, with that being said, shall we dive in? Because I don't want to. I don't want to tiptoe around anything else in this because I don't know that you, we really can. Nope. Let's do it. All right. The veil has been lifted. If you haven't seen Enemy, see it, or you know, beware because there's going to be some ridiculous spoiler. I, you know, it's 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 weird. Don't know if you can spoil a movie or not, but we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. Good point. Um, where do you stand currently on this movie? Is it a a I like or a dislike? I think emotion. I really like this movie. Okay. I'm still stuck. It took stuck. me a few days to get there. Yeah. Well, you, it's still fresher. Would you, so you watched it last night? or I did. I watched it last night. I've been did you and Kim it watch it or just you? Uh, I, I started watching it, uh, and it was captivating enough that eventually Kim came and sat down. And she goes, now wait a minute. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> no, She's, that is not a movie you can walk into. Like, honestly, I okay, here's, here's where I'm going to start to disagree. with. I'll disagree with that. I do think you can walk into it if somebody is willing to explain thus far what has happened. Because you can recap the things that have happened pretty quickly. I think that a lot of what's going on and a lot of what they're trying to get you to think about is unnecessary. I actually think this movie would have been could have potentially been better as a short. I'm not going to say would have been. I think it would have made a good short that I would have really, really loved if it was a short. But as a full-length movie, I'm not certain that I love it. And I still I won't be able to decide by the end of this conversation. Is it? Is it... Is it a full-length movie when it's not even a full hour and a half long? <laughs> it, it yes, it is. It's definitely it's a full-length movie. Basically, an episode of TV. It's it's a season finale of an episode. It's just, of TV. It's just a season finale of an HBO show, right? Or like three Walking Dead episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say like half the season of Walking Dead. <laughs> no, there there wasn't enough close-up face shots for for it to be a Walking Dead episode uh, season. Oh God. Derail you, you just you've ruined me. <laughs> All right. So we got we got our, our we got our Jake Gyllenhaal, who I've never really been a huge fan of yet for I do tend to like the movies that he's in. Me either. You don't like him either? I've never been a particularly a fan of him either. Yeah. Um this movie started to change my mind a little bit. Uh it it didn't change my mind for me. I still don't like him. I I, I unfortunately like it's not I don't know what it is. There's just something about him that I don't like. I but he must be doing something right because I do tend to enjoy watching movies that he's in. Well, I will say one thing. It seems he's realized something at some point in his career because in the last few years he's taking only roles of characters you shouldn't like. Hmm. Interesting. But I could play into your dislike of him is that he's purposely playing unlikable characters i made it like an offhanded mean tweet about him once and he liked it <laughs> <laughs> wait did you like at him or was he searching no, his name no i think he was searching his name <laughs> and your shirt was him and not a fan oh yeah yeah it's a verified account <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> i'll have to find that for you one time <laughs> yeah no i want to see that i, I want to find yeah. out about that story um yeah, so whatever. He just doesn't. He he never. Like I said, he never really. I just. I, I'm not. I. He kind of annoys me. Like he annoys me. Yet I tend to like the movies. No, I can understand that because some of his stuff. Uh, admittedly, I haven't really seen a ton of his uh, work, but stuff that even stuff that I've seen like in passing or like little bits of, 
that he was in, um, I found him to be annoying in the past. Yeah. He's just so, I mean, I understand it's the character. He's just so depressed all the time that it just makes me sad for him. <laughs> well, I do believe he's dealt with a fair amount of that in his life, so. That's that's possible. It's just I don't, I don't really like that character. And that's the character that he tends to play, I feel. Or at least in my experiences with his roles. Yes. Uh, he does not typically play happy people. Right. Right. So we got our, we got our, we got our Jake Gyllenhaal, um, times two, which I mean, by all accounts should make me hate this movie. Right. Like I, I, (laughs) right. Or because I like movies that he's in, I like it twice as much. I I don't, I don't really know the man. Maybe is it just, just equal out. Is this just a zero? Uh, so the the two characters, well, first off, this is a hard movie to talk around. Do you, how do you want to approach this? So, I wasn't sure because you typically don't go digging for stuff after you see a movie. I and did. I don't usually either. This is definitely the type of movie I would do that for. Mm-hmm. And I did do that for. So when I first saw it, I envisioned this more or less being almost kind of in a Q&A type of thing. Okay. Where well, I'm going to kind of pitch stuff to you and then we'll discuss. All right. But Sounds good. If you have a lot of stuff you want to bring to, we don't have to do it that way. I do think we'll I do this a little bit. The structure will be more unconventional because I do think I'll take the reins more on driving the show than I usually do. That's fine. What I want to get out, though, at some point is uh, something I had mentioned to you before the show. Like you you had said, you had just like just mentioned that I don't tend to look things like look too deep into things afterwards. Um, That's because I prefer to develop my own opinion on it before I understand these things or hear them from other people. Because I feel like what will happen is I tend to be agreeable. Um, I I can I can always I, I feel like I always see where you're coming from. And I could be like, oh, I get that. And I don't want that to influence my opinion on like what I think happened in this movie because it is very open-ended. Uh, yes. No one can tell you what actually happened except the creators of this, and they're not telling you. Yes, they actually seem to make a pretty pointed um, effort to not tell you what this movie's about. So with that in mind, I would say that you don't, you can't really have a wrong opinion unless... You didn't watch the movie, and we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, uh, that's <laughs> but uh, so what I'm what I'm getting at is I spent some time thinking about this and coming up with my ideas on what happened, and then I did a little thing. Did I did a little diving, and I started reading some stuff, and that's where I came across a few things that were written. I was just like, that is, that didn't even like this is just not right. Like, I'm not saying like you, you know opinions aren't wrong, but this was wrong. It was they're it, wrong was, it got like facts wrong facts. in the yeah in the movie like that's. It sounds like you came across something similar, so that's kind of funny. But basically, at some point, I would like to explain to you what I think happened. Um, I have it. I have some of it written down, and I have a lot of it up here, so I can. We, I'll unveil that a little bit after we get into some of the stuff. Well, I was gonna say, why don't you tell me your take on it? Your first pass take before you like what okay. what at the end of that first hour of contemplation. Okay. What you uh, here's what I think. So my my thoughts is that this is a man who struggles with some form of um, split personality disorder brought on by some level of insomnia, and he's it's it's basically ruining his his life there's there's parts of the there's parts of the movie where it's it's unclear if it's a dream or not right there's yes. that, that that happens throughout it 
that's where this is where some of my thoughts on him being um, him having some insomnia comes in. Anytime that we get Adam on screen, he's kind of like shuffling, lurking, walking funny, almost as if he hasn't slept in days. Also, a lot of hand in his face. Yep, rubbing his neck, hair, basically squeezing. trying to wake himself up. Exactly, exactly. So I always get this impression that he doesn't really sleep and he gets lost in his mind. That's that's part of it. Um, the split personality thing being, he is very unhappy with his life, um, and there's a there's a lot of talk about control early on when he's giving one of his lectures uh, and censorship and things like that. And I think that he's kind of creating his own reality in his head with these characters that he's come up with, which is maybe a a much more interesting person, an actor with a more lavish lifestyle. That's very different from the character that he is on screen um, most of the time, or what you're supposed to think is most of the time, um, which I'll get, I'll get to in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's I do think I so first thing out on the table. I it's in my mind it's one person with a split personality disorder. The it goes a little deeper than just him and his doppelganger self. I think that the girlfriend is also a current figment of his imagination, not that she's fake altogether. I think she was a remnant of his past that is still in his head. Um, and I think that his wife is real and is aware of his issues. So kind of a Shutter Island I'm not situation. sure what you mean by that. I, Where... vaguely, I only vaguely remember Shutter Island. So the whole thing was that he was always all it was a, he had a psychotic break and it was this whole they were creating this whole thing for him to see if he could work through it and realize that this was all fake. Mm -hmm. So like the doctors on the island and, and the staff were humoring him to see if he could work his way out of it. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, as much humoring as there is a level of him that she is absolutely in love with and still is in love with. And it's they're kind of tied together by the fact that she is having his child and she's she was going to stick it out before, but she's going to stick it out even more now. Okay. That's kind of that's kind of like the the gist of this whole thing. Um, he's got this. There's the we can get into more specifics on my theory as we get into parts of the movie. As we well, go later, well, no, but... I mean, I want you to keep going with it because there's I have questions I want to ask you about. Sure. Vis-a-vis vis -vis your theory, because. Some of what you're saying certainly holds water with what I was – because for me, it wasn't that I developed one specific theory when I was done watching it. Mm -hmm. But rather the way I processed this movie was how I experienced aspects of it. Yeah. And I experienced some of what you're going through, and I had a decent parallel for me. It's what ultimately led me to reject the theory that you're going with. Okay. That's cool. I like that. But – that being said, there is enough on screen for aspects of your theory to hold water as a, as a version of this movie, as a read of this movie. Because the one thing I'll say for this is, and what we, you and me kind of tiptoed around when we were texting about it this, uh, earlier today, that this movie has many layers to it. That it's, yeah. um, it's something that could, like, that where your theory, quote unquote, is right, is accurate, yeah. but that there's more to it than that, that that's like kind of a movie within a movie type of situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's, I, I would agree with that. Like there's the, a lot of the, that that's like the basic 
level of what I'm getting at. And then there's a lot of stuff that grows on top of that, that kind of fortifies some of those thoughts. Because what, what, how I experienced this for maybe half of the first half of the movie was in a lot of ways, it started to remind me of fight club in mm-hmm. like what you're saying, the split personality that he doesn't really realize drawing aspects of the real and the fake having two, you know, alter ego type of things going on. Um, and what kicked me out of it finally was like, okay, this holds enough water to be interesting and discuss, but ultimately is why I don't believe it is. There are so many subtleties to this movie mm-hmm. that there is a particularly unsubtle scene that I think is meant to point to you like, hey, we're doing the Fight Club thing and ultimately leave you to discard that theory. And it's when the wife, uh, was her name Eve? Oh, no, sorry, Helen. Um, I don't know why I thought her name was Eve. Uh, <laughs> um, she, when she comes to the university and meets Adam, uh-huh. and she's talking to him, and Adam doesn't realize, they've already spoken on the phone, but he doesn't realize that's who this is. Mm-hmm. Whereas she's tracked him down, and she knows who this is, and she's only now for the first time believing and being confused by the fact that there really might be two of them. And he gets up and walks away and she calls Anthony. And the second Adam walks off the screen, Anthony picks up the phone. Yeah. But the way that it's framed and shot, it's not something that happens in the background. It's purposely shooting the back of her on the phone and him in the foreground or sorry, him in the background, but the camera is focused on him Uh walking off the screen as she's answering the phone. Yeah. And it's so jarringly unsubtle on something that's been subtly laid out before then that I think you ultimately have to reject it. I'm sorry, reject? What are you rejecting? I'm confused. I think I lost you. Rejecting that this is a situation of one person with two personalities. You want to reject that? Yes. Interesting. I I, then I'm telling you don't. that I'm conv- I'm quite convinced that they are two separate people. Interesting. Okay. Uh, here's my alternative to that is I think that she understands. She's very emotionally intelligent and understands the conflict that's going on with him and is still struggling with it and still in some cases though she understands she can't believe it. So she gives that moment to see how is this going to play out. Uh, almost to a degree of she doesn't want to believe it. Well, that's why she makes the call, right? Right, but she does wait long enough. Yes. That's well, but what... she dials the call while he's still on screen. She does, but it's slow and it's it's hesitant. Yeah. And no, I, th- I I get what you mean. And the the enforcement to this theory that it is the same person for me is the scene with the mother solidifies that it's the same person for me. Oh, I actually, I looked at it exactly the opposite way. Really? In fact, uh, um, to the point where I had to go back to the very opening scene uh, to try and listen. Admittedly, I was tired, so I didn't give it the diligence it deserves to make sure that you disappeared thing. Yeah. She said something about, uh, and I wanted to make sure it was the same voice of the same person on the phone what she's saying because um, to figure out which one she's talking to on the phone in the very first scene. So there's another thing mm. we haven't discussed that's 
<laughs> I guess it's it, considering we looked at the same exact scene and one of us used it as proof for and one of us used it as proof against. Um, you notice the significance of the wedding ring throughout the course of the movie. Mm-hmm. Which scenes he has it and which scenes he doesn't is which one's Anthony, which one's Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, because one of the <laughs> going into people reviewing this doing it wrong, I read one where they said the opening scene of the movie was Adam, or the 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 scene in the weird sex dungeon was Adam, even though he clearly has a wedding ring on. Mm-hmm. Which means that it's Anthony. And also, it makes more sense. Some random university professor is not going to be at that thing. That's, that's the type of thing that actors go to. Right. <laughs> and also, it was I had to go back and rewatch that part because even though it's such a short movie and I, I was awake the whole time, I was watching it, I was riveted watching this movie, I was genuinely confused when Adam gets on the elevator later in the movie in Anthony's apartment building and the guy who's working the elevator, the I can't even think of the name of the word for the guy who works in the elevator tells you what floor yeah was the guy who was walking behind him when they walked into the club yeah and was talking about it how much he wants to go but he thinks he's been left off the list and this and that and i was like yeah. wait what and i didn't because i'm thinking like that they were talking and that seems like i don't remember anyone talking and i just realized that there was no talking but the guy was following him and i was like oh it's the same guy mm-hmm. get it now um but yeah, the the wedding ring is an important distinction. Now, again, you can use. But in, in that in that scene of the elevator, he thinks he's talking to Anthony. Yes, because it's in Anthony's apartment, and he right. knows nothing of this cat and mouse game that they're playing. The two of them. Wait, sorry. He thinks he's talking to. He thinks he's talking to Anthony. Oh, right, because that's and that's when he because that's when he let him into the apartment. Uh, that's towards the end of the movie. Yes. Yeah, when he lets him in because he's. Because Adam is posing as Anthony going into yes. the more expensive apartment. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But as far as the scene with the mother, tell me why you thought that that was convincingly. So I'm going to pause for one second here and talk about one thing that I really did love about Jake Gyllenhaal. This is a good thing. Um, I just thought of it now when you said that. The, the wedding ring is one of those distinct things that you could, you're you supposed to be able to kind of grasp onto to know which character is which. I will say that I never had to rely on that. I thought that I was able to tell the difference between the characters from his body language the entire movie, and that is impressive. Yes, with the exception of later in the movie when the two of them start crossing paths and one of them <laughs> is playing the other, and at that point, it does introduce, in your sense... Or from your perspective, um, the idea of emerging of that this is two sides yeah. of one person. Yeah. The so the the reason what the uh, at the mother's house is the blueberries comment. Yes. That's why I think it's one person, and the actor comment. See, I use both of those things as a reason why I believe that they're two separate people. And okay, why? Because he's vehement in how much he hates blueberries. But in the other scene he earlier... He conventional the, blueberries? He goes on a rant when the wife does not have blueberries in the house. Right. That's why... That's why he's saying he hates them. No, no. Wait, what? In the, In the scene with the mother... Yes. He's saying that he hates blueberries. Yes. Adam. Yes. 
in the scene at the house, he's pissed that there are no blueberries. Yes. Anthony. Yes. The mother says, you love blueberries. Yes. Adam and Anthony. (laughs) Okay, so I'm glad that this is something that you're sticking with then because I was worried when you told me that you were doing a lot of work that you may have found a particular article that I would like to talk about, the very last subject we talk about on this movie. Okay. This is good. This is a good thing we're disagreeing on this right now. (laughs) I'm so excited. Okay, cool. Uh. And the other, the other comment that she makes is, um, well, she says... Why would says, you want to be some, like, third-rate actor or something like that? Yeah, like, when are you going to give up that dream? And then something about um, letting... Stop messing around with more than one girl. Mm-hmm. All of these things... Are Anthony things. No, all of these things solidify a joint for me of the two characters. See, uh, the thing is, the thing about the actor and the thing about the Blueberry stuff I can understand being something that you use in either direction. But the thing about finally settling down with one girl, that is explicitly an Anthony thing that I don't think he would talk to his mother about, that he's cheating on his wife. That he frequently cheats on his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I... Hmm. <laughs> The, see, to me, it's he's he has himself so convinced in my mind that he's seeing that he's with both these women. Adam is with the girlfriend. Anthony is with the wife. Even though at this point in the game, I don't think, like I said, I don't think the girlfriend is real at this point. I think she's a remnant in his in his mind. Okay. And I think that he's so he's so this is so real to him that he can make it real to someone else where his mother's picking up on the fact that he's still messing around with this side girl even though he's married so crossing crossing the characters because anthony has no concept of the girlfriend but i get what you're saying he also goes to sex clubs however i don't know that the sex club is real okay I can understand that because it was kind of out of the realm of normalcy in not just not just what was going on in there, obviously, but even the appearance of the room and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, the only thing that makes the sex club real is the is the bellhop guy. Yes, that's so that that's what kind of and like you could you might say the key does too, but I, I disagree that that we I have no idea that that key actually exists or that that letter is a real thing. So I'm really, I've been thinking about this and I forgot, I should have looked into trying to find an example of it. I know you'll be able to recognize the thing I'm describing to you, even though I can't give a good example of it in another movie or TV show. Mm-hmm. But I'm so mad because I know there's like a million examples of it and I can't think of one. <laughs> you know, one of those scenes where there's two people talking and one person is the bad guy. Yep. But they've hidden it up until that point, and the person they're talking to thinks they're one of the good guys. And the bad guy accidentally makes a stray comment. The Princess Bride again. The thing about when he sends, I'll send my, send, I'll send my four fastest ships. Yeah. And then later she comes back to him and asks, and he says, I'll get all the ships ready for the, you know, this and that. She goes, all except for your four fastest. And he says, what? Of course. She goes, all except for the four fastest. And that's when the illusion's broken. She knows yeah, that yeah. he's lying to her. There's, I I read that scene with the mother as one of those situations where hmm. 
she's accidentally crossing the bios of the two men. Even though she's telling him, because he asks her, listen, you know, did you, did you, was I a twin and you gave one up for an adoption type of thing? You know what I mean? Which, you know, plausible, I suppose. Mm-hmm. She's a single mother that we see on screen. So maybe she was single the whole way through and she could handle one, but she couldn't handle two. And she put one up for adoption, maybe within the realm of plausibility. But she has all these details about these other things. But the way the scene is played out, you don't ever hear him say anything. He just says something about another person. He never says anything about him being an actor on screen. And then she says that line. And you see him, he looks like he visibly jarred in that scene. And it's that same bit of recognition of, wait, I never said anything about an actor. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying I feel quite sure throughout that whole scene, her misremembering the thing about the blueberries, the thing about the other women, and then that line about get rid of this thing about being an actor out of your head or something like that, or forget Why would you want to be a third rate actor or something like that? Yeah. Where like, it's one of those things where a mistaken identity thing that she shouldn't have said type of deal. I don't want to get into why that is feasible until we get into something a little later on. Okay. So we'll, let's hold off on the, we'll come back to the mother conversation because that whole thing, that was like the, the thing, the decided factor for me at that point that he was the same person that, and also the only explanation I feel like for the identical scars that they, they tell you about, but they don't show you is, is would be a clone. They do show you. Do they show you his? Oh yeah, when he goes when he goes to bed at the end. When he goes to bed later, so you see it on him. A tw- a twins wouldn't have identical scars. No. So, and a clone might, if the clone was made later on. But I don't. I'm taking. I don't. If that's part of the storyline, then I then I do hate the movie. Okay, so. <sighs> I, I want to leave that alone okay. for a minute. Okay. Um, but there is kind of a different way that you can look at that, a different uh, when we talk about layers of this movie. So one of the characters' name is Adam. Mm-hmm. And they have a scar on their chest. Are you going at like an Adam and Eve route? Yes. Mm-hmm. So it would be where one might have a scar were a rib to be removed. Mm-hmm. And now there's two of them. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, as well as um, there's other stuff within all of that, which actually I kind of forgot about. But I had wondered about that myself when I first saw it. And one of the things when I was looking into, there was some... There was more language and imagery that goes into that whole thing, but that's one way that you could look at that aspect of it, mm-hmm. say, uh, because there is a lot of symbolism and stuff like that in this movie. Um, and that's one specific example that I, I definitely would, I wanted to get into right here, where some of it else will get into other points of this. But that's one potential way that you could look at that and, and I think see where they're going with that you yes you can that's pretty much on the same line as 
where I would expect a clone thing to go, at which point I don't like the way that that breaks down. Okay. That would, well, make, again, that would make me dislike the movie. For sure. All right. We'll see if you still feel that way when yeah. I've had my piece at the end. Awesome. Um, so I do have another question, though, about your your theory. How do the spiders play into that? The spiders. Um, so I don't know what their reasoning for spiders are other than my own personal feeling sword spiders, which is the bullet point that I he- have here that says fuck spiders. <laughs> I find them terrifying. Um, and I-, I feel like there is some sense of fear every time there is one there. So yes, that is fear and spiders is uh, a natural order of the world type of deal. And that imagery is supposed to connote fear, right? So if I were to put the three, there's three instances that I can remember. There's the opening sequence with the spider. Mm-hmm. There's the spider over the city. Yes. There's the the scene that would make you hate a movie if the rest of the movie, like immediately, if the rest of the movie wasn't that engaging, which is the final scene of the movie. Uh, you're forgetting one. Which one is that? There's a, so there's the spider over the city. Oh, in, the spider web. In a dream. But there's also a dream scene where... He's walking down the hall towards the sex club, and a naked woman's walking back, and she has a spider for a head. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that that was weird. So and then she's on the ceiling. There's three. <laughs> there are three that I can, I'm I can semi justify with my theory. The three that I remember, at least. Okay. So the first one being the opening sequence, which I didn't understand at all until the end when I started thinking about it again. Maybe wondered if maybe this is the point that they're trying to get. Um, if we're using the spider as fear. And the first one is the sex club and he's seeing the spider. It's almost that it's he, if he does have the split personality disorder on some level, I feel he is aware of it and he is frightened by it. That's, that's what I got out of that piece. Okay. The one over the city is if anybody knows that the, a person like the, a mother knows their child, he's afraid of the answer of which person he really is when he goes to meet her. Okay. That's where I get out of that one. It's looming over him as he's in the city while that spider is very much looming over the city. Okay. The final one is the spider in the room at the very end where he says that, Oh, like, honey, I think I'm going to go out tonight. Uh, Do you have anything going on? And then there's silence. And then he goes into the room and he sees a spider. So what's weird about that to me uh, well, hang on. What, so what I think that could mean for me, that spider also recoils. It's it's very creepy. Um, I think that's like a, almost like a visual hallucination. She is, re- I think she's in the room recoiling at him because she's, by hearing that, she knows that he's going to this sex club potentially, if, that, if the sex club is a real thing. She knows that he's going to there and we've relapsed. We've basically, it seemed like he get, came out the other side and she's getting the husband the version of the husband that she enjoy, like that she wants, mm-hmm. and then he's relapsing. And the reason why I think that holds weight and uh, can be like a legit theory is the speech at the beginning about the, the repetition of history. Mm-hmm. But, okay, I could see that. So I'm going to get into the one, the kind of overarching narrative that I, I viewed this in, 
And by looking at stuff online afterwards, I, I know that I'm not alone in this. Okay. Feeling this way. Although I didn't like the language in which some of uh, some of how this was described on online, what I was saying, but it's it's an awkward subject, I guess, to get into um, for obvious reasons, as you'll see. Um, so this story is an allegory, and predominantly, a lot of the course of the movie, um, the one the way one could read into it is. I'm going to alter it slightly from the way I've seen it online because I, I actually don't think it was hundred percent fair the way it was pitched. Um, that a lot of it is kind of a parable of how people are trapped in relationships. Okay. Um, because we keep seeing, I think, well, at the very end, at least we'll start with that one. The spider being the woman who is pregnant Spiders weave webs. Webs trap their prey. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of on the nose, right? Mm-hmm. She's the spider because she's pregnant with his kid. Right. If we're talking, you know, we're talking about Anthony here. Um, and there's repetition, as you said, in throughout the course of the story where he pushes back and keeps getting drawn back in. Spiders all around and you know he keeps seeing the spider no matter where he goes he goes to the sex club which is his escape spider has dreams of going to the sex club spider Mm. you get a big shot of the entire city the world is his playground spider Mm -hmm. and there's spider webs and things that look like spider webs throughout the movie as well early on in the movie there's a scene a shot of cable wires for like streetcars up above the street kind of it's a spider web the scene where anthony and adam's girlfriend crash and die in the car spider web on the windshield spider web crack on the windshield yeah so you understand where there's this kind of this repetition that's being brought up and if you if you watch the way it is and it's not just exclusive to anthony anthony is the more spot on like on the nose example of that right i think you could see that immediately right where it's He's, you know, I'm an actor. I have to express myself, pulled back in, you know. He wants to go to sex clubs. He wants to have sex with whoever he wants. The wife scolds him. The wife pulls him back. All this sorts of stuff, right? But a, some of that is also reflected in some of the stuff with Adam. Where, you know, he's he goes to his job. He comes back to work. He comes back home from, from work. He meets up with his girlfriend. They have sex. Repetition, repetition, repetition. And she's kind of, it looks like he feels trapped in his work and in his love life. He doesn't really seem happy when he's with her at all. Mm -hmm. And she becomes this symbol that Anthony tries to get to, right? Oh, this is my next, she's, you know, she's beautiful. She's, She's my next conquest, my next dalliance, right? And it spells his death and it shows you that it's trapped no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. Although I don't really think it's fair to look at it that way, that it's just, oh, because it comes out when you look at it that way as, oh, women are trapped, women are trapped, men, blah, blah, blah. I actually saw it as a two-way street the more I watched and thought about this movie, that it wasn't actually women are the trap 
of the spider that relationships themselves were mm-hmm. because the women in these relationships are just as trapped as the men. That's fair. Mary is pregnant with Anthony's child. She is trying really hard to love him and she keeps watching him go and fuck around. Yeah. He snaps over blueberries as these quote unquote relapses within his personal life. Right. But she feels like she has to stay. She, you know, she loves this man, the father of a child, blah, blah, blah. Right. Same thing with Helen. Helen keeps coming back. She loves her boyfriend, even though every day is the same thing. She comes over late at night. He's grading papers. They don't really talk much. They go have sex. She leaves. Repetition of that over and over. She's, you know, there's one. She's, oh, I'm pretty drunk. And she's wandering around. Well, he's just grading his papers. He doesn't care. Yeah. He decides, he decides that he's going to grace her with his presence and have sex after she's already fallen asleep. And it starts crossing the border into rape. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like where he's coming on too strong, all this stuff. So all of these things become their own version of traps and Spiders are pretty good visual language for traps, right? That's that's yeah, that's good. I like that. I think that's I like that as like sim like a symbolic thing, like a symbolic story being told within the story because I do think that the rest of I I think like that's that's an interesting concept to explore and a a nice little poem that's happening within like by a nice little i mean absolutely morbid poem that's happening within the story yeah i know you didn't mean literally nice but um <laughs> it's i don't think that that's like the premise though okay that's fine I, um, I i'm i'm glad that you're on board with the read of the thing and i i, I, I like agree it. i like it on its own well maybe it's enough maybe it's not enough for for mm-hmm. everyone i do think it, it matches up um, very well with a lot of it. And I think it could be, you know, the read of the thing exclusively, but I don't actually believe that. I believe this is just one aspect of this. So I said this, the complexity of this movie for something so short and simple, seemingly on its, I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. I actually, sorry, I meant, I kind of, I had it and I, I lost it for a minute when you were going into your, I actually have something that could be used and leveraged in defense of your theory. Did you notice that the only time Adam and Anthony are on screen together, there's no one else ever who sees it. Yep. I'm surprised you didn't bring it up because that seems like a really strong it's, bit of proof. Yeah, that's that that's a great one. Um, it can be it can be dismissed by the situations that they uh, come together, but it, it can't be completely overlooked. Well, it's again like kind of the thing like I brought up with the phone call where it's quite noticeable that he walks off screen and it's one of those things where it's meant to be ambiguous. This could be explained away as just the plot or it could be looked at as a plot hole, although everything in this is too calculating for me to believe such a thing would be a plot hole. Mm -hmm. It seems a conscious choice. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. One or many reasons, probably. Uh, If I could just jump back for a second to the spider thing um, and the traps. Well, I like I like where you were going with that with the relationship stuff, and I do think it's it like it seems like a good like a well thought out possibility. I think it also could be matched to every time like, if you just take it as spiders are traps. It does also play nicely with my theory of him being 
trapped within his multiple personalities in his head. Sure. Uh, no, definitely. Uh, just as an overarching symbolism, but because fear and traps this... spiders equal fear and traps. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I just the, the idea, especially with the punctuation on the end of the movie, with her specifically being the spider. Mm-hmm. It has, I think, a specific connection point to that idea. You know, it's what I, I would love your take on the audible sigh and disappointment on his face before we see what's in the room. <laughs> what in the hell? <laughs> it's, I have it's more almost, on that. I have more on that later. Okay, I was gonna say it's almost him. If you're going with my my side of things, like it's almost his realization of. Crap! I did it again. <laughs> like, like I'm back in this mix of everything that I've been doing. It almost seems like I kicked it for a second, but no, I didn't. <laughs> like, you totally knew that that package had the key to the yeah. sex, like the whole time. Yeah. I mean that, and that, but it was kind of a fun bit of a payoff where it took so long, and it's finally, oh, I forgot I had this in this jacket. What's this all, right. all about? And then it's is this a package? Well, is this a package for me? <laughs> depending on how you look at it, because. It was Adam who received the package and put it in the pocket, but it was for Anthony, right? Mm-hmm. And Adam gets to see it. So if we were to believe that Anthony and Adam are not the same person, it's, oh, this is that sex thing they were talking about, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, aside from like everything else going on here, there there was a lot of things that happened, a lot of shots that were taken that really reminded me of Memento in this movie. Um, specifically around handling articles so like like the letter and the way that the camera is focused on the letter as he's flipping around at his hand in the car and the him running out of the car to keep to catch the door as it's closing like things like that like the, and like the franticness of it and like a man on a mission trying to figure a thing out which is uh, funny because the lighting on just about everything in memento is rather bright and this everything is very dark and dreary. Yeah, I'm I'm specifically talking about like the framing of the shot and the no, actual actions. But I'm yeah. just saying, juxtaposing that against yeah the lighting and how this made David Fincher movies look well lit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, movies like this just make me feel bad. That's how that's like that. The color palette is how do we make people feel bad? Well, you're supposed to. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that. I want to talk about now because it'll filter into where our conversation goes on later. Okay. But I'm going to leave it on its own for a bit. I just want to talk about it as it is. Like you said, feeling bad and the framing of particular shots. Um, I'm thinking of the specific shots of Adam's apartment late at night where the only source of light is the very small dingy light in the apartment. I think there was one shot from like, it was like way outside. You can clearly see them in the hotel or the apartment rather mm-hmm. where she's, Helen's pacing and he's at the, the counter grading the papers and stuff like that. Yeah. And that sort of shot and the f- like the framing of that room and house. Can you picture his room, his apartment? Yeah. There's no TV. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's nothing. There is Furniture a chair. Is very lacking. There's a chair, a counter, a bed. That's it. And, there's a lot of situations like that, especially in Adam's life, right? Dingy, dreary, Spartan, and it's a very small apartment. He's got an old, small, shitty car, all these things. And the music conjures up a lot of times these creepy, ominous, dark, ominous tones. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know. I always got to do it for you. And you always uh, got to do it for I me. I love so. it. Um, there's this vibe throughout the whole movie that's artfully crafted of this creeping dread mm-hmm. of all those things, the music, this and that, and claustrophobia. Again, getting into the idea of being trapped, right? Yeah. Trapped in your life, trapped in your relationship, trapped in your apartment, literally. He spends all of his time not in the classroom or on the road in his apartment. Yep. And there's nothing there. He doesn't watch movies, as is an important conversation with um, his coworker, who I, I don't believe we get his name. I was actually laughing at that conversation because I had the same thought as him before he gets there. So were you going to recommend a movie right. or... <laughs> Uh, let me let me talk on that for one second. The the emptiness of the of the apartment. Mm-hmm. If you're going with my theory of him being, of of him having this split personality, his real life. I, I'm I'm claiming that the wife is real. So that means that if that's the case, then the apartment they live in is real, and their kid is real, and that life is a thing. And where I had said the, I think the girlfriend is a remnant of a past experience where he did cheat on his wife. That's that's my take from it. Mm-hmm. Um, the barrenness of the apartment is reminiscent of the barrenness of the uh, sex club and mm-hmm. those dream sequence states where I think they are states within his mind. The barrenness of the street when the car crashes, of everything else going on. Um, there's there's nothing else going on. The, the if you wanted to counter my theory there, there's something very barren about. Um, actually, you know, I, I maybe I could bolster my theory with this. Almost the the meeting with the mother seems kind of barren, but the there's a lot of stuff in the background. Yes. Whereas in any of these other sequences where I do think that it's all in his head, there's nothing. It's, yeah, and it's it, I very mean, focused. Uh, on the other side of that same coin, um, in the apartment that he lives in with his wife the lighting is a little bit better mm-hmm. it's much more well populated with things there's stuff there's you know what i mean there's a nice yeah. refrigerator there's like there's decorations there's a bed there's decoration it looks lived in yep whereas the other one looks like a fuck pad which is yeah. what it is and if you're talking about uh a real or imagined tryst with another woman that's the room you would take her to, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's your uh, that's your hourly rate at the local motel that's pushing prostitution. Right. Uh, quick question before you get into the next thing. When they're at the end of the movie, when Adam and his wife are laying in bed, does she say, what does she say? Did you have a good class? Yes. Or did she say history class? I, I don't remember. She definitely asks him about the class, though, because she knows that it's... Yeah. Well, I'm still very much of the feeling that it's two separate people. So she knows... In that case, she knows it's Adam pretending to be Anthony. Yeah. We know that she knows. We, I know you know that I know that you know. <laughs> um, what I was curious about is is what I... I need to go back and, and listen to what her actual phrasing of the question was. Because if I remember correctly, he doesn't tell her he's a history teacher. Earlier, in no, the movie. but no, but she looked him up online and in, in the registry. And oh, said, that's a good point. That's a good point. So even if he didn't say it, she could have just uh, she could know that. Okay, never mind. Now, as far as your Withdrawn. idea about <laughs> <laughs> now to your point about them being the same person and his 
fake relationship with Helen. Sorry, I forgot which one was which for a second. Um, Say the girlfriend and the wife, if you want, because that's how I remember them. Okay. Um, I usually try to remember names. <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time with names. I know. Um, so, like, that whole thing where the crux of it is she recognizes the the lack of the thing on her on his, the lack of the ring on his hand, mm-hmm. the fact that he has a mark on his hand from wearing the ring all the time. How does that fit into your theory? Uh, so at the point of, I'm glad you asked at the point of, this is all happening at the same time in his head. Okay. Okay. That's, this is, you have to, you have to accept that as part of my, um, explanation here. It's all kind of happening at the same time. He's having this inner struggle of which person he's going, he's deciding to actually be. He makes that ultimatum, uh, not ultimatum, but that threat to him. He's like, I'm going to spend the night with her. And then we're never going to see each other again. Meaning Adam and Anthony are never going to see each other again. Yes. So it's he's set up this thing where tonight he's deciding which person he's going to be. That's how okay. I have it. Um, and in that moment, he's feeling the comfort of his very accepting wife who knows the struggle that he's going through. Um, she's being cautiously optimistic by asking him how his day went as a teacher. Because that's the one that she wants back. And I think that during that he's feeling that. He's starting to lean towards this is the life that I'm going to stay in. And in that moment he's now deteriorating the other character. And he's that character slowly... Well, not actually it's pretty rapidly explodes out of view. Kind of, again, to draw back to the Fight Club thing. that When he shoots himself mm-hmm. to violently kill his fake... Alter ego, yeah. Um, the same way, killing. <laughs> the movie came out in 1999. I know. <laughs> if you're not functionally aware of not just the movie, but what the specific twist of that movie is by now, it's like saying you don't know what happened at the end of Sixth Sense. I've never seen Sixth Sense. I know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I could I see because I went through. I asked you about it because I went through this exact thought process myself. Yeah. When grappling with that theory as well. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like about it is it leaves two threads that I can't account for. One, that the impetus for them having their very explosive ending to their life, fictional though it may be, is that she discovers the ring thing on his hand. Mm-hmm. It, it would feel more true to me if he's eliminating it himself that he would be the impetus for it all to go away i think he knows he knows like the uh it just seems like a clunky way to make that fictionalized thing go i think he's aware of the issues that each of his personalities has and he's aware of how bad they really are so he uses it to destroy the character and on the opposite end of that same coin when she's accepting of it, he seems repulsed by the idea that he's going to replace Anthony. Why do you say that? Because he's very slow to get in to bed with her. He won't get undressed. He gets up and leaves the room. He's shaking. Can't quite bring himself to make a move on what should be his own wife 
in that case. I think he. I think that's guilt. I think it's despite because... a clear invitation of her, because in your, you know, she's she she's cautiously optimistic that she's getting back the man she loves. Mm-hmm. That should be encouraging to him, and instead, it seems to sink his resolve even further. I don't. I don't find him as being repulsed in those scenes. I think that he's. Um... Not repulsed by her, but by what he's gonna do. That's maybe that's fair. Um, and the reason why I think that would be okay is he's. I feel like if you wanted to pick a good guy, to a degree, it is the Adam character. Like he does seem to be more of a good guy. And his own flaws, but certainly the seemingly the better of the two. The better of the two. The. And what really drives that home is like when he's he's asking her like oh like do you need anything like you know you're six months pregnant like yeah like God like you must like like how did you go through your whole day like without like like can I like what can I do for you he seems compassionate and he seems caring and if he is struggling with this and at this moment thinks that he's the other person he's it's a terrible thing to do because he's he's lying by getting in bed so if he is a good person. And if he does feel those things, then he's like, I could see that being like, like almost feeling like he's feeling wrong doing it because he's not, I'm not your husband, but he's like, he's, his characters are kind of, that's why I feel like he starts to merge at that point. You, I feel like it plays out as if he destroys one of his personalities and goes away, but I think they merge together. Okay. And that's what kind of lets him, lets him stay there that night. And when he wakes up in the morning, he's almost refreshed. You know what? When he gets out of the bed and he starts walking around, he's putting his clothes on. Their interactions, they're less, he's less timid. He's not, he doesn't seem guilty anymore. He doesn't seem scared. He almost seems relieved. And at first glance, I thought it was he was relieved by the fact that he he is finally, he's able to let go of that other personality. Um, and then when he opens the key and decides that he's going to go there tonight, is when I realize that he hasn't. They're they're just they've just merged back and together, and history is about to repeat itself, and he's going to go on this bender again. See, the way I viewed those scenes is Anthony so easily slips into the glove of Adam's life. Mm-hmm. Admittedly, he's an actor, but a third-rate one. Right. And Adam can't. Oh, what? I, to pause there for one second, the mother calls him a third-rate actor. Anthony thinks he's a good actor. Sure. Even though so he's, he's been just, commercials he's, and a couple of no, like no lined. So if, <laughs> if, if the girlfriend like, is fake though, and he thinks he's a good actor, that's why it's so natural and smooth. Go on. <laughs> I suppose so. Um, but Adam rejects, seemingly rejects it the way that a body does when presented with a pathogen, where it tries to purge itself of this thing that it can't reconcile. And that's that lifestyle, whereas everything about it is inviting. He's let into the building. He's let into the apartment. He's comfortable there. She literally invites him into bed. And he seems at every fiber of his being to be rejecting it. Against his own will, even. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you could say, like, well, yeah, that sounds kind of nice. But I don't think I can do it. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It's just... There, 
Sorry, I don't know what you just said that sprung this, but there are two there are two other things that I wanted to like two other random lines. Um to to throw to fortify my my position on this. Uh one is when he goes when he finally gets into the into that building and he gets the letter which has the key in it, like with well, the you know, the envelope that has the key in it. I if I remember correctly, when he's on his way out, the doorman or concierge he says something along the lines of you actors are crazy man yep right and you're like that's an offhanded comment it's just like a, it's just a thing um and it means nothing at that point in the movie to you as much as it does later especially when you couple that with i'm crazy i'm crazy <laughs> 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 which yeah like it's a crazy is a not so it's not like the right term like we we use it as like a, a negative he I feel the character is sick the character I think has does have these mental issues that he's working through or okay. or not working through rather just cycling through okay but anyway <laughs> go on <laughs> no actually uh from this point I'd like you to go on because um, you'll excuse me, this bit of indulgence, but once I take back the reins, eventually we're going to be taking the red pill and we're going to go down the rabbit hole okay. and see how far it goes. Is there anything else more you want to discuss unimpeded? Um, yeah, one last thing I'll note, um, on my position of him be, of him having some form of split personality or whatever the actual I, I could be wrong about the name of what he what that what that would manifest itself as um uh th- that disorder but if you want to i think you can what what this whole movie can do for you is having us have these conversations i'm of the mind that he has a split multiple personality disorder whatever it is you're of the mind that there's more than one person your this conversation is could I'm I'm sure whatever conversation you bring to the table is going to be very convincing. Okay. Which is the point. Because if you can convince me that it's two separate people, you're getting me into his mindset, which I feel proves my point of the split like, like if you can convince that i think like you're saying like this is like you can actually get to that point where you actually believe this is true where there is a separate person that's like and the the dinginess and the morbidness of the entire like setting of the movie it's just so dark and we're stuck inside of his mind where i want out so bad that you convincing me that at least one of these people is different and maybe has a slightly better life could be an improvement and that's like a that's a that's a bad route to go down (laughs) if you if you have this illness because you could start surrendering to one or the other sides knowing what i know (laughs) it's funny to hear you say that and we'll see if you still feel that way i'm so excited can you please take the reins i want i want the rest of the information (laughs) so i'm gonna dance around this a little bit to set the stage some other things that I want to talk about. If you hear some clacking, click clacking away. I'm gonna take notes because I don't want to interrupt you. Okay. So no, but no, but I don't. I don't want to just like 
lecture from here on out. Yeah. I guess there'll be segments of that. But I'll see if I if, if there's a, a reasonable pause, I'll make it. But no, no. But there's there's gonna be a couple times where I specifically ask you. Okay. So a question to see if you're following along, as well as to set the stage for the audience. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So let's go. <laughs> we'll start the first thing with a question. Did you know that this was based on a book? This movie. No. It's based on a book um, named called it's called The Double by Jose Saramago. Okay. I forget what year the book came out, but it's not that important. Um, but what I did find kind of curious, do you remember you and I were talking? I don't think we were talking. I think it was when we were at the brunch last week. Um, you remember how we talked about movies coming out at the same time that Deep are Impact. About <laughs> Deep Impact and Armageddon yep. being one of them? Uh, Volcano and Dante's, uh, I almost called it Dante's Inferno. <laughs> Dante's Inferno. <laughs> came out. Came out. And the thing is, it, it works. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, um, hey, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely what that should have been called. No, the problem is if you call something Dante's Inferno, it has a very specific connotation and all things are running into copyright issues, I'm they, sure. They definitely had an idea for a sequel to Dante's Peak called Dante's Peak 2, Dante's Inferno. <laughs> but go on. <laughs> so this movie came out in the year 2013. And as well at that time was another movie that came out called The Double, which is not based on the book The Double. Also featuring doppelgangers. I believe Jesse Eisenberg was in it. Okay. The name- kind of neither here nor there. Just cleansing the palate a bit. Okay. So, the double. Doppelgangers, this sort of issue. Mm-hmm. So, I used the line about from The Matrix for a particular reason. One because it accurately describes what we're going to do. Two, you could look at this to a certain extent as a modern version of The Matrix, this movie. Okay. I'll point to one specific thing, because I don't have a good reason for why this is in the movie, but it reminded me of a particular thing, and I experienced it the other day, feature in The Matrix. You remember what they said in The Matrix about uh, Deja Vu? Yep. That it glitch was in the Matrix. Glitch in the Matrix. I had a really aggressive one yesterday that like shook me up pretty badly. That I like I was having a conversation with someone downstairs while I was occupied physically and mentally with installing a light fixture and <laughs> I almost fell off a ladder. <laughs> but it was really, really uncomfortable. And when you have a really bad deja vu, it typically is. Yeah. And so in The Matrix, there was that whole thing about if you see the same thing over again, if you have a deja vu, it's a glitch in The Matrix. There's – we talked about repetition as a function and symbolism for a couple of different things in this movie. There's one that I can't account for, nothing that I saw. And it could just be coincidence, as deja vu often is. There was – the same exact silver Ford hatchback in three or four different scenes. It's in, it's either in the background or the, so there's a scene in the parking lot after they meet for the first time in the hotel. And I believe, I don't know if someone leans against it or touches it. There's a silver hatchback in the parking lot that they're standing in front of when they're talking. 
there's at least two other scenes where they're either on the street or driving and there's the exact same car. And I kept seeing it since most of the cars were not in any way noteworthy and not that a silver Ford hatchback should have been, that's not a particularly like common car. I don't even remember what, if it was a focus or whatever, I kept seeing that car and it reminded me that thing of the matrix, but even more so you can read this as kind of a version of the matrix, this story. And this is where we're really going from here. Okay. What if you took the matrix and you replaced the robots with spiders? You can't see them, you can't feel them, but you keep feeling like they're there and you keep seeing imagery that reminds you of spiders. And you have all these starts and stops of your day and of these scenes where you're doing something and it just, you know, you feel like something's not right, right? You know, and there's spiders in your dreams, there's spider webs everywhere you see. Now, what was The Matrix actually about? What's the allegory behind The Matrix? I'm, I'm asking you. It's not rhetorical. Oh, uh, I, it's been a while. I don't know. So <laughs> a lot of Wachowski's work has been dealing in the idea of fascism of thought, fascism of government, fascism mm-hmm. of whatever. Thought control, mind control, control. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I thought you were about to hold up a D battery and I was going to lose my mind. No, 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 <laughs> I, no thought, I thought you were going to Morpheus me. <laughs> no, I already got you with the pill. I don't, yeah. I don't get to do two of go, this. Go on, go on. Um, what is the lecture that he keeps giving? He gives a couple of times, again, repetition, early on in the movie. In the Matrix? No, in this movie. Sorry, I know I'm jumping oh, back and forth. The the lecture about repetition and about, and about censorship and about all that. The rise of fascism. Yeah, re- repeatedly and repetitively throughout history. That it's it's he he even makes a point about it being human nature. That yeah. it's in our nature to trend towards this. And he talks about control and the ways that control manifests themselves. Yeah, he talked about controlling relationships. Mm-hmm. earlier on in this episode talking about this movie. And they talked about different ways that one would control the Roman Empire controlled through entertainment. What is this, this? The whole like crux of this movie comes on a guy who is so caught up in his own life, he has no entertainment. Friend of his tells him, oh, why don't you go check out this movie? watches the movie. This is a guy who's got a problem. He feels like there's something that he's missing in his life. He's constantly got his head in his hands, could be tired, mm-hmm. could be confused. So he watches a movie, entertainment. There's, they keep talking about, he says it's about, what was the line? So sorry, a lot of where I'm coming from with this um, fascism stuff comes from, I, I said, I think I said it on air last week, and I know I said it to you specifically about how I could see the the pieces of it, and I couldn't tie it all together. And this one article finally 
help me. It was an article on Slate uh, from 2014 by Forrest Wickman. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm taking from stuff, I want to make sure I give someone credit. I don't want to plagiarize. Yep. So there was a, a, a talk. There was talk about the bread and circuses is what he talks about the Roman entertainment. Anthony has the sex show. Adam has the movie that he has to be convinced to because he's not, he's not getting in line with the thought police. Right. Mm-hmm. In this case. Yeah. And we, and this is why I think it's two separate people. We have the person with the ring, the person without the ring. You can see who's doing what you don't go to movies. He goes, goes to see the movie, even though he doesn't really like the movies. And everything, everything that he keeps talking about is he just he has the same rope thing that he does to totalitarian regimes, wine, having sex. He gets the specific recommendation. He watches the movie, but on the way to walking and going to see the movie, he passes by a graffitied image, and this is when I I had the feeling that this whole fashion thing was going to be more than just him giving a lecture. If you see the graffiti on the wall, it's a fascist symbol that the Italians used. Okay. With the the hand the fist over the themselves, and it's a repeated image over and over and over again along that wall. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a specific I can't remember the line. I'm trying to scroll as I'm doing this. Um, there was something about oh here you go. They censor any means of individual expression. Right. He does no individual expression. But even were he to want to, he can't because there's another person who is just like him. This is what he finds out. Mm -hmm. The first time he tries to express himself, he watches a movie, it's immediately crushed back down by there being another person. Right. So we find that every which way he looks, there's someone pushing him down. There's him at his university job. There's his girlfriend that he feels is trapping him. There's this person in this movie that's doing it. There's the rise of fascism again that he's cautioning against. And all of this stuff is kind of symbolized by the spiders pulling the strings and creating the webs that are trapping the people that he feels like he needs to scream it from the rooftops, right? And the message isn't getting through. And he's slowly, his senses are being dulled down. And he has this whole thing are you okay? You feel like you're you're no, wandering th- in. Th- no, no, no. I'm thinking. Go. Okay. No. Uh, well, no, I, I, no like I said, I don't want this to be completely a lecture the no, whole no, time. Keep, so keep I do want to. <laughs> um. So Jose Samargo, who wrote this book, is a Portuguese man, mm-hmm. who, or I think I saw it quoted as something around 50 years of his life, lived in Portugal under fascist regime. Mm-hmm. So. When I said that there's these layers to it, up and down, when you look up and down the story to the author and the movie maker, down to what's happening on the page and the video of all this stuff, that's why I kept feeling this thing. So where the spiders come in specifically, and that's why I asked you whether you want, you could imagine yourself replacing them with one thing with the other. It's kind of like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, where all the people in his life that are holding him down are actually spiders, whether they be spider aliens or interdimensional being or whatever. Because all the times that they find someone not jiving together properly, 
basically, I think it comes down to the point of he's one of the last holdouts who's not a spider. Okay. And everyone else around him is. His girlfriend, Anthony, Anthony's wife, his mother. And that's why I think it's compelling that there would be two separate people, that the mother is bludgeoning him over the head with it, get in line type of deal. I don't know if it's a – you said you didn't like the idea of cloning per se, which, okay. I don't know whether it would be cloning or kind of replacement and control by the spider. The spider is literally in the dream floating over – it looks like they're, you know, a maestro mm-hmm. conducting above. You have the dream sequence with the woman walking down and then her face and head is replaced with the spider. All of these things that he he sees, but he doesn't believe it's like, you know, looking behind it. And there's the, the, the conversation between, well, see, this is the one part I'm not a hundred percent sure about on, on, on this theory, whether it be for my version or anyone, I didn't see anything about it. I'm honestly torn on whether or not Anthony has been a replaced person or not. Because he has the argument with the girlfriend in the car. And he says, you think I'm not a man? Or am I not enough of a man or something like that? Whatever uh-huh. the line is. Yeah, yeah. And I want, that was what, what threw me. Because I thought the whole time was that everyone else was supposed to be one. And what I, I came around was I actually I think maybe the girlfriend was normal. And he was the spider. And it's trying to convince her. Hey, like, I'm a man, I'm a man, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I wondered whether Anthony is a separate person, and this is some sort of weird coincidence thing, and they're the last two. And then that was a situation where I finally came to, I think, what is basically, if Adam can't be convinced to get in line, then he'll be replaced by Anthony. And the girlfriend not realize, recognizing the thing with a it sets off her alarms and she's, Oh wait, you're not Adam type of deal. And it's whether or not, is he a spider or is it just that he's not Adam? You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. multiple layers of this. That's <laughs> that feels out there to me. I could be that I'm not doing a good enough job of explaining it. It's tough, but I, the pieces are all there to put together. Mm-hmm. And when, especially at first I felt the same way you did where it's like, okay, like sure. But like, it seems a bit out there until I found out the bit of history. That was the last piece that I found was this whole thing about the author being, having this background. Yeah. Cause there are no spiders at all in his book. Right. The story is more or less the same from what I understand. I haven't read it, but there are no spiders at all. And, but Denis Villeneuve plays coy with why he included it. And he's even though he won't specifically say what it's all about, he said it's all there if you look for it. Hmm. I can send you the article because I yeah, found I'd it love to read that. very convincing. And I don't want to just read the whole thing. But so, see, like that's another thing, though, where like that as a symbol and like as a as a theme within the story, I think that's a cool idea. But I okay. don't, I don't feel it. For, it just doesn't. I, I think here's part of my my struggle is like I'm trying to find all of these all of these things that we're coming up with are assumptions, mm-hmm. right? 
and I have a hard I I feel like if the assumption is too much of a stretch I and there's not enough for me to believe it then I I don't I won't necessarily go along with it whereas like the the reason why I fell with the like fell onto this whole like multiple personality thing is that it's it is a disorder it is a thing it can explain this stuff whereas this the spider thing is a little more abstract so if that's the case i feel like it's not there's not enough of it in a weird way do you do you, do you know where, what i'm trying to say i do but i disagree because i didn't feel that way while reading this and i re- and it's because it's tough to summarize and give it to you verbally like this we're gonna have to link out to this it works better i think in the written word than in the spoken word but I think the best kind of summation of all of this, now that I've given you kind of the big beats, is I will read one paragraph from this. Okay. The central irony in all of this is that even the main character, though he's an expert on the ways of totalitarian governments, doesn't see the web that's overtaken the city until he's already stuck in it. As he says in the lecture, totalitarian states succeed because they censor any means of individual expression. When he finds out he has a double, that's of course exactly what happens. He can never again be an individual. Mm-hmm. So I know I I did it in kind of a clunky way because it's kind of stream of consciousness stuff, but I think there's actually more than enough there that all of this is the manipulations of, and and that's why I tried to bring up the matrix parallel because if they didn't imagine that if if you watched the matrix and uh, it wasn't until the very end of the matrix that they showed you that there was these machines, the whole conversation about the red pill and blue pill didn't happen until the very end of the movie. You would have experienced it differently, right? This is a subtler version of that, I feel, based on this. Okay. Because in The Matrix, they tell you machines are taking over. But there's enough of parallels between these two stories that makes this feel more real to me. Because even though they're not telling you that, they're not explicitly telling you that, it all lines up rather well. Yeah. It's like if you watched The Matrix from Neo's perspective without a Morpheus Mm -hmm. to tell him everything was so. Right. Like, I feel like... That's interesting. I like that take. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that's a better way. Like, I've given you the pieces of to look at it, but what we're missing is the catalyst that ties it all together. And I think that's what it is, is. I could... You're right. Could it be something else than this? Sure. But it's one of those kind of show don't tell situations. Right. They're showing you in this movie, whereas in the Matrix they told you. I feel like I think for me the way that it lands though is that it feels like it's very influenced by these ideas that you're talking about. But that not that necessarily that that's the. What do you mean? Like this this sh- you're saying like the show don't tell. They're this whole this whole spider theory. It feels. Like they're, um, like it is there, and it could potentially be like a like that could be a thing they're getting at, but not that that's the thing. Okay, that's that's what it feels like to me. I think, and that's why I think when you said earlier that this movie has layers, like that's a that's that could be one of the layers. Well, the thing I'll grant you is there's the, that duality of thought, whether it be literal in the sense of the Matrix Spider parallel, mm-hmm. or whether you want to look at 
the the spider as a more symbolic thing, not a literal thing. Right. That part, I could totally understand your hesitance and embracing the theory. Mm-hmm. But the finer points of the theory itself about this being an allegory for the rise of fascism, actually, I think it's undisputable that that is so. Whether it be, again, like my thoughts on the relationship thing. Mm-hmm. Whether or not this is the one true soul top level layer of it, I don't know. But it is absolutely a layer of this. Sure. Would you I, agree with that based on what I, I've laid out? Yes. I, yes. It's a layer of it. And I think what, you're, what you've just done, though, is given me even more of a reason to believe of a split personality <laughs> because you don't have an individuality if you have a split personality. You have two individualities. <laughs> or you, you have you're split among multiples. You don't have your own you don't well, you sure. don't know who you officially do not know who you are. So I like the <laughs> idea of this being a matrix parallel sure. in being the one true solid thing. And and maybe you would agree or disagree with that. I think it'll be hard for me to convince you on that verbally. Mm-hmm. Maybe you would feel that way after having read the article. Oh, yeah. But, I'd, I'd love to read it. Um as far as the layers of this story about the relationships and the the fascism thing i think are both pretty undeniable especially the one with the fascism totalitarian thing even more so because of the history of the writer himself yeah no i think that i think that makes a lot of sense like i said i i would agree that those are themes within the movie yes um the split personality thing kind of like the spider thing itself becomes a you have to believe it or not yeah. Like what meaning you can see the argument for it, whether or not you choose to accept it. Like the two of them can't necessarily live together the way the other two the two themes can. You know what I mean? Right. I think for me it's if I have to make a stretch to believe something, I'd rather believe a thing that is more grounded in a real life thing. The scene with the scene with him, her making the call and him walking off. I I had wondered about it earlier in the episode. You're playing with cards. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the audience can't necessarily... You may have made a sound with it one time, but they, they can't see it. I can. Yeah. And I was wondering why, because what I felt once I had kind of embraced and processed my thoughts on all of this was that a lot of this movie was sleight of hand, and I was wondering whether or not you might bring that up at some point since you were playing with cards. <laughs> no, I've, I've just been playing with cards lately. Fair. That's fine. Uh, I was wondering if you're learning card tricks and you were doing going to turn and find a way to do a whole sleight of hands thing. Um, and that scene was so jarringly unsubtle, unlike so much of the rest of this movie, mm-hmm. that I felt like all of those things and the whole idea of whether he was a person or two people was sleight of hand to misdirect you from everything else that was going on to make you work for it and make you earn those themes that I brought up. I don't know. <laughs> well, that was a little less concrete than I would have. <laughs> uh, I like, I like that idea. Um, I think I just, I also, I don't like it just because it is, because it's my theory. 
I just I do like this idea of it being like just a just a whole just like a mind fuck this whole thing of uh, of being of having this these personalities just running rampant almost. The one thing I will say, and again, since they did take some liberties with it, uh, I did read a little bit about the book itself, mm-hmm. and it's again layered and allegorical, maybe in multiple different ways. The end of the story in the book is slightly different. Okay. And I think plays itself quite seriously into being a two distinct people thing. Really? Because at the, I believe, and I could be misremembering this slightly. What happens is at the end when he's alone, when he's, when Adam is the only one left. So Adam kills Anthony at the end of that story. Okay. Um, I believe he, he 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 shoots and kills him, and kills him at the end of the story too. Sorry, I'm just kidding. That's, that's <laughs> <my hit. laughs> um, and I believe a day or two later, once everything's settled, I can't a hundred percent remember whether or not she already knew or she finds out that it's him and accepts it. I don't remember how it works out. But a couple of days later, he gets a phone call, and it's someone calling Anthony saying, hey, I think we're the same person. Hmm. But Adam has already replaced Anthony, and he goes off to take care of business once more. And again, repetition and cycles. So, okay, this is making me really think that, okay, so this is, it's a nice it's awesome. It sounds like they really took this source material. They made their own adjustments to it to make like a, a slightly different story, very much based on this existing thing. And at the end of this movie, I do think the cycle is continued again. So it's it's a similar. You're, you it's a very similar ending. If you're going with my with my theory, he does kill Anthony. He kills him in his mind, and then he is born again when he opens up the key. Well, you're right. From a thematic standpoint, um, they are very, very similar, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That idea of I've solved the problem and then it comes back around again. Yeah. I I will say that after having watched this, um, I think in a very quick amount of time uh, that Denis Veneuve has has vaulted himself into my short list of if you tell me he's got a movie coming out, I'm going to want to go see it. Mm. I would I would agree with that. I mean, he's assembled himself quite a catalog of things just in the last five years. That, that, that movie and Prisoners both came out in 2013, 2014. Mm. Um, he had done French language stuff before that because he's French-Canadian, I believe. Um, and then he did, so he did enemy, he did prisoners, he did Sicario, he did arrival and he did Blade Runner 2049, which people loved or hated. Yeah. I I really have to watch it. And I'm sure that's probably the case for this and probably the case for prisoners and definitely was the case for arrival. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where at the, towards the end of this conversation, where I'm feeling on do I like or dislike this movie? I, I very much like this movie. I very much like talking about this movie. 
Well, sure. I think this has been a pretty good episode. I just don't I do know. I don't know if I like the movie. I like what it's do. I I like a lot about it. I don't know that I like it. I've I've had more time, more separation from having watched it to think about it than you have. That's true. You've only had a little over twenty four hours, I think, right? So, well, I I would say it's like a funny thing. If you were to ask me, like, should I watch this movie? Yes or no? The answer would be yes. I still don't yes. know that that means that I like it. <laughs> I'm well, going, I'm going to be suggesting this movie to people. I have a light a light spoiler. I. If it wasn't for the fact that we discussed possibly doing it for an episode, uh, I wouldn't recommend uh, Enemy. Not Enemy, sorry. Um, good Time. Oh, boy. It it was interesting. I wouldn't necessarily say it was good okay. in a classic sense. Um, whether or not it's good, though, I would definitely tell you that I didn't particularly enjoy it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so it's not fair to say it's not a good movie. Yeah. I will say that I didn't particularly enjoy it. I did not have a good time gotcha. watching it. Gotcha. <laughs> All right. That, guys, that... guys, we're going to be doing that episode, the, that movie for an episode, either this week coming up or the week after that. So. Right. So, okay, back to Enemy. Um, did you have Did you have something else, though? You, I felt like you had a, you had another big point I thought that you wanted to make. No, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I got most of it out of there. You were going to circle back to the mother. I feel like. Oh, I kind of did. Anyway, well, if you buy into this whole thing about thought control and totalitarianism and fascism, Mm -hmm. and if you buy into a specific reading of that with the spiders, I think it was a flub by someone who's supposed to be shepherding this person hemming this person yeah we've waved a web for this person to get caught up in okay and they fucked up essentially like i said the kind of the princess bride thing yeah and that's why i think very much that like i said this is a person i liked the point a lot in that story where it was for someone who rants and teaches about this to not be able to pick it out happening around him. Mm-hmm. Well, for one thing, it's kind of an in- indication of the human condition, right? How many people are experts in things and fall prey to something that is thematically quite the same, even though it comes to them in a different form? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? People who give relationship advice who are bad at relationships, you know, stuff right. like that, um, because it's happening to them in a way that they're not used to seeing it, per se. Mm-hmm. And... I think that this is a good case of showing how when he's at his lowest and is willing to kind of give in to maybe I've been wrong with my paranoia on all of this, her fucking up is the jolt he needs to realize that he's been right all along. And that would mean that there'd have to be two people. So it's so funny. I still I still take that scene as her brushing off brushing him off as like no no no. Like this is who She you says are. it she says it too casually to be massaging him back from being a split personality. 
Oh, I don't think she's massaging him back from it. I think she she doesn't know the current state that he's in. And she's just like being dismissive almost. She is, but if that sort of turmoil was going on in his life where he's leaving dual lives or pining off after a past one, she'd have to be too inattentive to realize what was going on with him. And don't you think she might be talking to his wife? If the wife knows and is, wouldn't she be terrified that this person is going to completely devolve and collapse under the weight of this to not talk to his mother to and help to help him get himself back on the straight and narrow. What? Yeah. What, what, what is the, whole, <laughs> what is the, Sorry. I was like, both visually and audially, how you were, I'm, how I'm you just, delivered that. Mine is just breaking down at this point. Uh, uh, that's a, I, what is I still the one thing that you really could have got me on is because I don't remember what was said on it. What what was that phone call in the beginning of the movie? Oh, I mean, uh, I should know because I actually rewound and watched it two or three times. Um, but I, it was a week and a half ago. Um, she basically says like, "I haven't seen you." I haven't talked to you in a long time. Like, don't go, like, just don't go missing again or something like that. I okay. mean, he doesn't seem like a person who keeps up with his personal relationships outside. Of no, the but that that okay. If that if that's what is said in it, I still I feel like every time you saw something like this comes up, I feel even more strongly that he does have a split personality because when he's Spirit, the other person, it's not the same mom. It seems really obvious to me that they're that they're separate. People. That's so great. I love that. I love that we're on both ends of this. Like the fact that I went through exactly what you're going and rejected it is making me like upset that I can't convince you otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, I I think it's I don't want to I don't want to accept something. I guess something outside of the realm of what can be considered at least partially normal, like not normal, but more realistic. Embrace that level of, I don't want to call it sci-fi per se, but that level of abstract, as you put it earlier, I guess, where if they didn't say it, that it didn't happen type of deal. But I think that's, well, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not being given a reason to believe that that is the case. Oh, I've been giving you reasons. You just don't no, have to. You, you're not giving me. I, all right. Everything is, everything is realistic until you're until you're going specifically in a different direction. I feel like. Well, again, I like I said, I, and I was actually going to get into a point of. That's a lot of times in I, I think in. Entertainment that we get now. Um, the imagination isn't necessarily something that you always are encouraged to embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in a tell don't show type of situation. You embrace it in the matrix because they tell you it is so. Mm-hmm. But if they hadn't, like I said, if they didn't tell you that that was the case and then they told you at the very end, it would feel insincere. It's just because that's what we've been conditioned conditioned to believe, and, and and how we've been conditioned to experience these stories. 
I apologize. The sprint, the printer just started printing. <laughs> it's the spiders. So you're gonna have to, you're just gonna have to listen to that for a minute. Um, what is it printing? What's so I, important? I don't know. I don't know. Um, oh, it's making all sorts of noise. That's great. Um, See, I, I think I, the thing, the thing is, I think the spiders actually showing up on the screen is enough to tr- to potentially get behind that reading of it. If there was never anything there and it was just that, I actually would probably buy in more to what you're saying. Yeah. The thing is, I, they don't have a reason to be there. I the re- well, okay, you could say that my reason for them being there is he is losing his mind to some you degree. Can, well, what I'm saying is, you can you can twist and go back and forth and argue over what they represent specifically, sure. but they have to be there for a reason or multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see where they fit with the split personality thing. I just don't see where they fit into that. I yeah, for me, it's like his. It's that's not his only mental issue. I think sure. I think hallucinations are part of it. I think insomnia is part of it. That's fine. I think the hallucinations brought on the insomnia is a big part of it. Okay, I just it's such a specific evocative image that it like you can't. There's no reason for it to be that specifically and keep repeating without somewhere else, some trigger point for that being the thing that he keeps saying. Just saying it's fear isn't, I think, enough that's on a good, that that's, version. Of it. That's a good argument, and that's again why I, I, I ultimately ended up rejecting that theory. Is they don't fit. They just don't fit. You know, like if there was a if there was some scene, a they, flashback to a, a childhood trauma with a spider or something like that. There it is. That's your point, and I can totally get behind what you're saying. Here's a. You replace you replace the giant spider with a giant whale, and I will get behind you on this. <laughs> Why whales specifically? Because I'm not going to make that association of it. This, I'm part part of this is my own personal experience of being terrified of spiders, and I know that it's not uncommon to associate fighter spider fighters ugh, spiders with fear. <laughs> sure, and I'm. I we, I already told you that I'm on board right. with that. Aspect if you replace it. the spider or the spiders with whales, then we're playing a whole different thing. If you put it with dolphins, even more. <laughs> <laughs> Follow but, me on this one. Dolphins are super smart. <laughs> so if you want to get behind that, I, I I would totally I would think this movie is batshit crazy. But I think. <laughs> Your whole your whole thing would make so much sense. Uh, they're weaving a web, man. Whales don't <laughs> weave webs. <laughs> and neither do dolphins. Was dolphins best can I can control tell. minds, though. Um. What? Nah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Telepathy. It feels like that's probably a good point. To end this guy. <laughs> I love it. This is great. There you go. You finally did it to me. You finally turned it back on me. How I many bro- times have I broke you with something that you. like it just. <laughs> Man. I'm, this is going to be a reoccurring theme. I'm going to. Every time you're making a point. I'm going to replace something in the story with dolphins and break you. 
<laughs> well, no, it's not going to work again that way. you got to come up with a new thing. Like... You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. We'll find out. Uh, awesome. I honestly, I can't break every one of your points by telling you that like it is going to eat a baby. Like It doesn't much, work the same way. <laughs> much like that movie, this conversation has no resolution, and I like it that way. Uh, man, it was just... This was this was a fu- this was fun. I really liked getting we, into we this movie. We talked about this movie for longer than the movie ran. Yep, that is one hundred percent accurate. Which is usually a good indication. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 good, and we'll be talking about this probably for years to come. Yeah, this is this is going to be a thing that comes up while we drink all the time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll watch it again one day. We'll, we'll watch it again, and we'll both flip flop. <laughs> we'll be on the opposite sides of the argument. Uh, that's fun so I would say your theory works if you're willing to accept that nothing in it is grounded in reality Um, I think that's that works well sure I mean that's the case with a lot of things my theory Harry Potter doesn't work if it's grounded in reality (laughs) well right and my theory works if you are grounding it in reality maybe Um, but they're not giving you a super compelling reason other than accepting that the visual is a reason to believe that it's not grounded in what we consider reality. Is it, are those are those all fair statements? I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> what about the dolphins, though? <laughs> no, you lose me on dolphins. I'm sorry. All right. All right. Awesome. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we'd love to hear what you, what you guys think about this. So please reach out to us. So that's it for this week's Flicks and a Six. Thank you for joining us. If you want to keep the conversation going, you can hit me up at AEJ Costanzo on Twitter and Instagram. Al is at AlessandroB1187. Check out the Flicks Flipboard magazine to follow the stories that we cover and Flicks and a Six on Instagram for teases of what's to come. Um, Flicks and a Six at spintune.com if you want to write us an email, if you want to get some topics on the show, we're listening. Uh, Other than that, we will be back next week with either Mission Impossible Fallout or what the hell's the name of the other movie? Good Time. Good Time. Until then, cheers.